0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Doctor Zom!
1: She don't want to be at This ain't no horse we call It's all the same misery We knew when we got here They tried to put us away But when they see us the Walk down the street They bandy up the way Bad is free, Atlanta, yeah Bad is in the whole U.S.A. Bad is free, 90 and I Look
0: at the block You ain't
2: got better, you got Silver and Gold is back. We're doing it smooth style today, or maybe we aren't. I don't know. Episode 31. We're doing a little out of a prison double feature this week. Straight Time from 1978 with Dustin Hoffman. The Gray Fox from 1982 with Richard Farnsworth. I am the loaf. With me, the Zom. Uh, what's up? <laughs> Zom is half asleep and half awake. Half. And all full of something. Piss and vinegar, baby. Okay, yeah, see. So, I had an eventful week. Zom, how was your week? Great. (laughs) Um, I, as you all know from last week, took a fine five day outing to New York City. Um, well, why don't you tell us about it? I had not been there <laughs> in 10 years, and it fucking ruled. Um, ruled. I, we're gonna have to Go Yankees! Go Yankees. We're going to have to update the intro because the combined weight might be a little more than 853 after all the shit that I ate over the last five to six days. <laughs>
3: so, oh, i still uh, choking on the black olives. Oh man,
2: black olives. I just had black olives and coffee and a cookie for breakfast
3: oh my god you fucking make me ill
2: (laughs) (laughs) um the uh new york was awesome um yeah we just you know pretty much the standard trip to new york we didn't do a lot of touristy stuff we just pretty much walked around and looked at stuff and bought a bunch of shit we probably don't need Mm-hmm. um and ate a lot um ate at a little italian place some paninis and some cheese and mm, cheese <coughs> <coughs> we ate um we ate at a ukrainian restaurant i had handmade pierogies those were fabulous had uh god what else did we eat uh you know um oh we peanut ate, peanut butter hot chocolate we we ate yes uh well yeah my wife and our friend uh Aaron had um peanut butter and nut- nut- nutella hot chocolate not mixed together those are two separate beverages and they loved yeah. it there was a, those were at the Italian panini place and uh we had a quite a nice dinner at um i forgot the name of the place but there was a burlesque show um McDonald's. so i not only got to see uh eat, eat you know a gourmet meal i got to see titties on stage and mm, 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 mm. mr harvey Keitel was sitting two tables over
0: what
2: um you know it was the kind of situation is every, what is he
3: everything you dreamed he would be
2: <laughs> he, well we went home and after afterwards and started watching reservoir dogs and okay. uh god damn he looks a lot older now <laughs> yeah,
0: granted I'll you know just it is 20, 20 years ago. ago but
2: um yeah, yeah it's, it's you, you know you really notice but he's aged pretty well um he, it, it was a situation where you didn't really want to walk up to him and talk because you know you're sitting down and eating dinner and there's a show going on so there wasn't nah. really much chance to introduce or you know ask him if he was a big fan of the show or anything but God, you should ask him to come on Silver and Gold. Yeah, I was, th- I was, I was thinking, I was standing downstairs waiting for the restroom, and I was thinking, I wonder if he would have walked down here if I could like pull out my iPhone and say, "Could you, could you say, this is Harvey Kattel, and you're listening to Silver and Gold," and he'd be like, "What the fuck?" Um, but he never came downstairs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, we. Uh, didn't see nearly Man. as many Yankees hats as I thought I would. Um, probably because this baseball season hasn't started yet, and we were staying in Queens, so we were cl- a lot mm-hmm. closer to City Field than we were to the Bronx. They
3: all have Tebow hats.
2: Ugh. Yeah. Well, t- that that trade didn't go through until uh, <gasps> what? Until we were. Oh, that's true. Home. Yeah. So, and I, for some reason, I thought I I just glanced and saw the news. I thought Eli Manning had gotten traded to the Forty Nineers. Mm. uh, Well,
3: thank God that God will now be back in New York.
2: It's about time. What a fucking bunch of heathens that live up there. So, yeah, that was really cool. I had a uh, horrific uh, uh, shit experience. I've posted a little bit on my photos, but um, I I, I never seem to go to New York without one. Uh, We ate at Katz's Deli. And I had a, a pastrami sandwich that was about as tall as my, is you know, the width of my hand, and I mm. ate it way too fast <laughs> and went walking. And um, about I don't know, ten minutes away from Katz's, um, kind of on a quiet street, I was just like, you know what, got a shit. Then
0: uh,
2: <laughs> James was like, why did not you go at the restaurant? I was like, you don't know how this works, do you? <laughs> I, was like, I didn't have to go five minutes ago um so <laughs> that's uh anybody that's ever walked around a long time in New York knows the the game of finding the public restroom that you can at least sneak into you know yeah. it says customers only so we go into a key foods which is kind of a biggish uh we went in uh, the key foods in the village um and it was a decent looking store mm-hmm. uh you know hardwood floors nicely lit everything. And I asked somebody where the bathroom was. They're like, "It's in the front. Go, you know, go in that little door. Go down the stairs." As I descend these stairs, it was fucking like the descent to hell. It was just like a complete one eighty. <laughs> it was dark, fucking dirty. Um,
3: it was like hostile.
2: <laughs> I found this the the one lit room. This door off to the side. There was a guy sitting in there at this rickety card table reading a tabloid newspaper. <laughs> I was like, Is the bathroom in here? He's like, right through there. Uh, so he's sitting right outside the door. Um I go in and this fucking bathroom, it's like it's like you see it as a in, in comedies. It's like, you know, water dripping, the fucking walls were <laughs> rusted. <laughs>
0: That's
3: why they didn't give a fuck if you went in there.
2: There was no uh there was no uh wall, like a uh, um, wall-mounted toilet paper dispenser. There was just rolls.
3: of toilet I was going to say, "God damn, man! What a shithole!"
2: <laughs> no wallpaper. Jesus
3: <laughs> Christ! There was no,
2: not even any candles lit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was no wall-mounted toilet paper dispenser. There was just rolls of toilet paper sitting all over the stall. No hook or to anything. So I had to like balance. Paper. What's that? Just be glad there was fucking... Yeah, yeah, tape. yeah. I would have had to just do it emergency <laughs> style. Um, it was too late. I had already committed. And, <laughs> and <laughs> so there was just rolls of toilet paper sitting here. I had to balance my bag on the back of the toilet and just prayed that it didn't fall onto the very moist floor. <laughs>
3: You're talking about your scrotum? Yes. And
2: uh, (laughs) and I took a picture of the door while I was sitting there, and somebody had written in Sharpie right in the middle of the stall door. Oh, the stall door, which uh, it didn't have a latch. You had to use these loose pieces of scotch tape to tape it closed. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) And somebody had written in Sharpie, this bathroom is fucked up. (laughs) Right in the middle. So I took a picture of that with the rust in the corner. So I went to wash my hands. There was no soap, and instead the soap dispenser had been ripped halfway off the wall. And there was, for some reason, a roll of toilet paper just stuck into the empty soap dispenser. (laughs) So, yeah, just had to do a quick rinse, (laughs) pat dry on the legs. Um, Still not my worst New York shit experience, but definitely number two. The worst being uh, sitting in a McDonald's that – you know the only stall in the bathroom that did not have a door – and the toilet faced the entrance to the bathroom, and <laughs> I probably had to make eye contact with 40 people while I'm sitting there shitting, <laughs> trying to wipe my ass in a hurry while nobody was looking. <laughs> and that one was that one was a while ago, so so I've now I've now had my number two worst shit experience. But hey, at least I didn't poop shit mom, happens. So
3: shit. <laughs> no. Waka
0: waka. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs>
2: So, uh, yeah, um, other other than that, you know, like I said, just eating and shopping. So, New York, I miss you already. I'm sorry to all of our uh, friends up there that we could not uh, get linked up, Um, tried to get up with Dylan and Christine, but they were um, in the last moments of preparation for their move to Austin, talking to realtors and all that stuff, so we never could sync up our times. And, unfortunately, to get to uh emily it takes fucking you know an hour train ride <laughs> and it's it'd be impossible to meet so it was um it's a it's a weird like you know that that certain boroughs can pretty much touch each other but there's no like direct train to get there you always have to go through the city first so um so yeah that was about it uh Zom, what have you been watching this week
0: <laughs> let me
3: a my list you with Alright, I watched a movie That was called When Gangland Strikes Okay, now I assume That this is a movie, because they actually have A movie poster for it But um, it's weird how some of these they, they made movies that were like 65 minutes long, it seems like Back in the 50s or whatever
2: Yeah
3: uh, It was, um, and um, this one had a big star in it, Slim Pickens. (laughs) And he was very young. And his name was, oh my God, his name in the movie, his character was like Slim Pittens. And I was like, "Are they saying Slim Pickens? Is that his fucking name?" It was. It was just a little variation of Slim Pickens. But he wasn't the main guy. He was. He was a uh, a friend to the main guy, uh, country country kind of guy. Country is uh, like a courtroom gangster thingy. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't bad. Uh, the next thing I watched was a movie, and I don't know how you pronounce this in Serbia. Uh, R-A-N-E. looks like rain, Mm -hmm. but the English uh, title is called Wounds. And um, I had uh, procured this a long time ago, uh, and I don't even remember fucking having it or knowing what it was about or anything. So I just started watching it. Assuming because there was a movie called a Serbian film that every movie from Serbia is like a Serbian <laughs> film. Uh, it is not. This movie is, and I and then I thought it was just going to be like a um, kind of a I don't know gangster type you know movie. And it's fucking one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. Even though it is, it's like very dark humor Mm -hmm. so we may be having to take a peek at this one because it's that good (laughs) uh and i did see on this one website um and i cannot remember what all i remember it was called like the destruction of of a porno gang or something like that um and the description was that um and it's a serbian film too but it said if you thought a serbian film was disturbing and and as i'm looking at the little thumbnails i'm like wait a minute okay now i recognize that this woman is in the position of say sucking a dick but what's that big thing and she was sucking a horse's dick oh no. And it was, uh, from what I could tell, it looked real. Um, (laughs) But it it said that, you know, how a Serbian film was um – the production values and how it was shot. Everything was done really well. Uh-huh. Well, this is, this amps up that except the production values suck and it's a piece of shit, <laughs> but I'm not going to watch it. So when I saw the, I've seen, well, whatever. I I just wanted to tell people about it in case some of you weirdos out there want to watch it. <laughs> the next thing I watched was sort of along the same lines is a Serbian movie with George Clooney called descendants. <laughs> and, uh, this movie was fucking awesome, man. I'm telling you what um
2: I need to see that still. I think it's leaving our theater this week too
3: it was uh, i i watched i got it on iTunes on the uh the rental deal mm-hmm. and um it it really whew, i mean it had me going in a, one minute I was tearing up, and the next minute you know I was laughing my ass off it's it's really good I recommend it. And bleh, 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 Clooney <laughs> uh-huh. and Robert Forrester, man, I'm telling you what, dude. I watched
2: he Forrester had for s- this week too.
3: Well, you know how in <clears throat> Jackie Brown he talked about how you know when they're they're sitting in the uh, the mall and he's talking about uh, his hair started to fall out and he went and had something done about it. Well, he must have in real life because first of all, his hair looked like. Uh, it's like one of these deals where in Jackie Brown he has his hair grown out. Yeah, yeah. So you can't tell. But when he has it like cut down short, you can even see like the plugs and stuff. And man, it looks like shit. Well, I mean but that, I watched the movie
2: ugh. the the movie I watched with him was from two thousand and you could I mean you could definitely see his shiny scalp through his hair, so
0: mm-hmm.
3: um but I like him. Yeah. <clears throat> and um Hmm. Next thing I watched, um, my my goatee is growing back. So now when I take a drink of water, I have like a. Swampland left over and I have to wipe it off with my sock, <laughs> uh, which isn't the one that I, I, yeah, didn't I jack say, on. is
2: it the, is it the st- stiff sock? No,
3: I, I knew I had to do the show. So I came home and went straight to bed. I didn't feel like it. <laughs> I'm losing my touch, man. <laughs> uh, next thing I watched, uh, was, uh, I watched, this was just the first episode, but I have a box of, uh, Boardwalk Empire with Steve Buscemi. Yeah. And, um, Michael oh, Shannon is in this, too. And uh, Paz de la Huerta, who is fucking hot. Uh, There's a lot of faces that you'll see in this uh, HBO, made-for-HBO show. It's got some sex in it. It's pretty good, based on true story. So I'm just delving into it. I just saw the first episode, and it was pretty good. Uh, Next thing I watched was The Return of the Pink Panther. With Peter Sellers. And um, I'm telling you what. After all these years, this movie is still fucking funny. And he, I mean, I was, hey, I was just hooting and hollering. I was laughing. And it was, it's, it's still pretty good. And some of the physical stuff that he does is just fucking hilarious. Uh, I watched Best Worst Movie. I'm probably the last person on the planet to see that documentary. Next to last. About, uh, <laughs>
2: hmm? Next to last
3: next to last. <laughs> it's pretty good uh, about uh, the, the um, the well, supposedly the best worst movie, which is uh, Troll 2. And uh, if you watch it, I immediately got online and uh, found um, the guy that was the star of it and sent him an email because I thought it was fucking good. And he comes, I think he comes off really well because he's such a nice, such a likable, nice guy. And, he, he, you know, da, yeah, Mike, in uh, Florida said that he actually is a really nice guy. And Mike has a, uh, what do you call it at the end of the credits where they thank people? He's on that. Okay. So, yeah. Um, that's a uh, Mike, uh, the next thing I watched was, uh, Max Dugan returns with, um, Jason Robards, who I really like. He was the one that uh, kind of sold it for me. Um, Marsha Mason, Donald Sutherland, and a very young Matthew Broderick, Broderick. Um, before he married the Horseface. Uh, but it's pretty good. I I have heard of this movie, you know, a long time ago, but I never watched it. It's a Neil Simon uh, kind of. It's a light-hearted affair, mm-hmm. but it was still pretty good. And um, you know, yeah, I liked it. Uh, next thing I watched uh, was something that you do not like. I don't think it's the greatest movie in the world, but I, you know, it's, and I'm not even going to say what it is. Uh, but there was a <laughs> wrestling tag team called <laughs> Public Enemies. Uh, uh, Public Enemies is what it was. Um, but I did watch it again. Um, and, and moving right along, uh, I watched a movie called Number One with... Chelt, Uh and the hook on this movie is that um, first of all, it's out of print, um, and I had never seen it. And if you're a sports fan, um, it must have been made about the time to- around the time that um, the um, New Orleans Saints. Uh, became a football franchise mm-hmm. because uh, the footage that they show, Charlton Heston is like a quarterback that is at the end of his career, and he was once really great, but he's just getting the shit beat out of him, and and he's trying to decide whether to retire or not. And um, uh, the, the footage that they show, like when you see the football footage, it's Billy Kilmer playing quarterback, and it's supposed to be Charlton Heston. But it was all right. It wasn't bad. Bruce Dern's in it and uh Jessica Walters that was in uh, play play Misty for me is also in it. It was on this uh THIS the this TV channel or whatever. Next thing I watched was Trail of the Pink Panther and this one is um it's weird that they put it out I think it was um after Peter Sellers died. And it's kind of almost like a tribute to him. And they go around uh, – a female reporter goes around interviewing like all the um, uh, the characters from the other movies doing a story on him because mm. he's supposedly missing, which is kind of almost – and I'm pretty sure it was after he died, and that's why they did it. Mm. So it's almost kind of like weird yeah. and not morbid, but just kind of weird. And uh, they all talk about him, and then they show clips from the old movies. um, uh, it's got David Niven and a whole bunch of people that were in the other ones. Um, and then at the end, they kind of give a, uh, you know, is he alive or is he not? You know, or he'll, Cluzo will never die or something like that. Um, next one I watched was Immortals, which um, I was pleasantly surprised. I, you know thought, okay, well, what is this? Just like 300 or something like that. But Mickey Rourke was fucking awesome in it. And there's one scene in it where he does something. And it was just my friends and I were watching it. We're like, oh, fuck me. And that was so great Uh, because he's such a fucking bastard in it. Um, And uh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Now, the next one was Three Musketeers uh, with a bunch of people. The only one. I mean, I seem to have recognized some faces Mm. like, uh, what the hell's the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean? My sister loves him. Orlando Bloom's in it. Um, yeah. Um, but, um, Ray Stevenson is like one of the better ones in it, but, um, it was, it's almost like a cross. It's, it's sort of like, if you're expecting like Michael York and, um, fucking, uh, Those guys. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's the fucking, I'm just drawing a total blank here. I can even see his face. Uh the 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 the, the, the fucking guy <clears throat> that Bryn likes that used to get drunk all the time and brawl and fight. Uh, Oliver, and uh, Oliver, Reed. Oliver Reed. Yeah. If you're expecting Oliver Reed, Raquel Welch, Charlton Heston, and uh, you know, that 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 crew, no. Um, <laughs> it's made by the Resident Evil hack. And uh, it's it's starring the Resident Evil hacks wife,
2: <laughs> <laughs> your favorite.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's almost like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen stuff in it, and that you know that's out of time that shouldn't even be in that time period. Have you Plus, that have you ever read Matrix.
2: the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comic? Yes, I have. Did good. you Did you like the movie?
3: Um, I liked the movie. I saw the movie before I read the comic. Oh, okay. But once it, once you read the comic, you know you're like God. Why didn't they just do the fucking comic? Because it even had like when the Invisible Man would be fucking women and stuff. That was pretty cool. And they'd just be floating in the air because yeah. he'd be holding them
2: up. I, I yeah. loved the comic, but I never I never saw the movie. So. It was yeah. When they called it LXG, that fucking killed it for me. LXG.
3: <laughs> you know, that's one thing about America these days, is like, you know, we're so lazy that we can't even fucking say <laughs> words. We just make acronyms out of everything. Uh,
1: LOL. LOL. LOL LOL. Uh Walk
3: Alone I walk alone uh with Bert Lancaster. Oh and- I didn't let you
2: finish. Did you like Three Musketeers?
3: Uh and it was <laughs> I didn't feel like I wasted like, you know, it it wasn't that good. Okay. Um it uh
2: was it in your top 10 of the year? Yes.
3: <laughs> uh no, it was it was um, but Immortals, I watched both of those back to back, and Immortals was way better. Okay. Uh, Three Musketeers is like, if you're like a kid, I think you might would probably, I don't know, I shouldn't say that because then if somebody liked it, you know, they, you know, whatever. But I just, it was just kind of like, eh. <laughs> um, it had some fun stuff in it. It was just, you know, that's all it was. Like a roller coaster ride kind of a thing. Uh, I walk alone with Bert Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. <laughs> And uh, that was pretty good, um, obviously. Uh, and uh, I think Burt Lancaster looks to be about, I mean, he is, they're both, him and Kirk Douglas are both super-duper young in this. Mm-hmm. Was probably one of their first movies or whatever. Uh, the next thing I watched was this weird movie. I bought at uh, um, Big Lots. They had a Stanley Kramer box set for, like, I don't know, three bucks or something. Had uh Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, The Wild One, um Voy- or not Voyage of the Damned. I can't remember what it was. It's the one about the Titanic, I think. Uh and, and uh then this this movie called Five The Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T.
2: Oh, that's Doctor Seuss thing, right? Yeah, and I put it
3: in. I didn't even know what it was, and I put it in, and I'm telling you what, this movie was fucking awesome. It's a kid's movie. (laughs) It's fucking awesome, and I would think that if you, like, um, partake in ganja and or if you maybe do some acid, you would probably love this fucking
2: movie. What is is ganja?
3: uh, I don't know. Uh, Like, cereal? I think nom, it's whole nom, grain. No, no, no. No, It's the stuff that makes you eat big stacked roast beef sandwiches the size of your fist. It's the stuff and that then,
2: makes you fucking stuff uh, uh those little soft blue bell cheese wedges inside of uh, black olives.
3: <laughs> uh, oh, fuck, I was just going to say black olives.
2: Blah. Hey, but yeah. it, this
3: movie, it's it's really good and I watched the making of it which they had um for the most part uh yeah. The, a, a few of the people that that were that were on, especially the kids, were, you know they're like mm. in older now. Mm. Agua. The next thing I watched was a documentary called "Following Sean," and this was really good. It's on Netflix Instant Watch. Um, this guy lived in hate the Hate ha- Ashbury district uh, back in the '60s when the hippies and stuff were there, and uh, and he was a, like a film student, so he filmed. You know everything, and uh, this little boy lived in uh, with his parents in in the in an apartment next to his. So he followed this little boy around, and he would you know interview him and everything. And the kid was probably like four years old. Uh, Well, he went back or he went back um, now and found the kid, found the dad, found the mom, and um, you know when the. Original thing came out where he was following the kid around. The kid was like I said, like four or five years old, and the kid would say that you know he smoked pot right. and all this and that, which he did. I think you know his parents led him, and they were real. They were real super hippies and everything. So it was kind of like, okay, how did he grow up uh, being in that lifestyle? You know, where uh, they were just so open and everything. And it, it's pretty good. It's it's uh, surprising. Uh, next thing i watched was the movie called uh Outrage um the it's you know yakuza movie uh what the heck the guys Kateshi, um, K- uh, K- yeah Takeshi Katano jesus that was a monster. Yes he is the main dude um, um, i have a hair in my mouth <laughs> uh, <laughs> This was uh, the reason i bought this one at Walmart and, um, I think they did kind of a good job of marketing it because, you know, okay, first of all, it's, you know, a Japanese movie and it's going to be subtitled, right? But they put right on the cover, you know, uh, not for the squeamish. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what this is?" you know, so I got it. And, um, I was watching it with, you know, one of my friends and, uh, uh, I was almost expecting like for, like almost from the word go for it to just be like really super duper violent and just gross, 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 gross stuff because oh, yeah. it said that. But there's there's just a few scenes in it, and there's one in particular where I looked over at him, and we were 30 minutes in, and I said, you know, for this thing saying not for the squeamish, I said they better get the fucking ball rolling. And then the next thing you know, this one scene happens, and we're like, oh no! <laughs> uh, but it was just more, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and I had a dentist appointment like right after that that I canceled. <laughs> So if you've seen the movie you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't bad. It, it was um yeah, it was I don't think it was great, but it was it was still pretty good. Um and the last thing I watched was uh Rum Diary with Johnny Depp, which is a Hunter S Thompson um novel, I guess. And um it had Aaron Eckhart in it and um Amber Heard's in it. And this started the Amber Heard thing (laughs) because I'm telling you, okay, I I saw her in Drive Angry, Uh and I wasn't like you know every oh my god, and I know that you know there she was supposed to be the sexy chick in that, Mm -hmm. but she just didn't, and it wasn't even the fucking shorts like Sammy says about the Daisy Dukes or whatever. It just was she's just not my type. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and and when somebody says yeah, but I'd fuck her, I was like, okay, no shit. Yes, I would fuck her. That's not a goddamn question. I mean, I I, you should see some of the girls (laughs) I've,
0: but but
3: I'm just like when I'm looking at her, I'm not like just blown. Like some people are like really blown away, and that's just a personal thing. Now I have seen uh, the informants. Okay, and uh, that clip was posted with all her highlights of her having sex and everything. Okay, and what I will say about this movie was she was a lot hotter in The Informants uh-huh. because she didn't look like she weighed fucking 95 pounds. And in Rum Diary, she was real skinny. And I will also say this about the informer and, uh, informers. Uh-huh. Um she was probably one of the most repulsive people I have ever seen in my life. most repulsive characters <laughs> yeah, yeah. on screen. And uh, if you put yourself in the place of her boyfriend, you were like, oh, my fuck. Fa- Jesus. Ugh. But anyway, so that's uh, that's all I've watched.
2: Not that much. Well, um, I obviously didn't have a lot movies. of time. What? I watched
3: about 15 or 18 movies. Not Jeez. that much. Uh, I um,
2: <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have time to much, watch much of anything. I, I was... I watched uh, Grey Fox while flying, which was kinda cool, but um uh I mentioned it already. We I, I didn't we didn't even finish the whole thing, but uh uh watched Reservoir Dogs. I don't know how many times I've seen that movie, so um everybody's probably pretty familiar with that one. Although Who I gotta say that? fucking Harvey Cottel's sunglasses in that movie are just weird. They're way too small <laughs> small for his face. Thanks. Usually it's some of the sunglasses that are too big, but these mm-hmm. are really tiny for look like, like you could see the sides of his head around the glasses, which is always weird looking. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, I watched, um, I saw, uh, Roger Ebert post something about it on Facebook the other day, uh, a little independent film called diamond men. Um, mm-hmm. this stars Robert Forster and Donnie Wahlberg. Um, and the, he was saying it, it went over really well with. Uh, I think he does like an Ebert Fest where they show certain like films to you know a crowd like random kind of older films. But I mean, it was okay. I didn't. I I, I wouldn't give it as it says on the box two big thumbs up. But um, I mean, it was it was good. It was definitely low budget. I mean, I I, th- I think Forrester had you know put the money into it. Um, mm-hmm it's his right. It it was from 2000. Like I mentioned, it's, um, so it's, it's pretty close to, uh, Jackie Brown time and Robert Forster plays a very similar kind of character in it. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess he was still going on that since he did get the Oscar nomination and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. now I've seen Donnie Wahlberg and other things and thought he was decent, but he, something about him just didn't work in this. Um, he, he had some, yeah, well not Mark, but (laughs) the older brother, um, I don't know, and uh, Bess Armstrong is in it too, who I re- who I recognized, but wasn't sure exactly from where. Um, she, I bet it was from. I, I had a girlfriend in high school that watched my so-called life all the time. I think she was in that. Uh, that might be where I recognized her from, but she wasn't great either. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Something about it just didn't click right. It was a decent decent film. It's on instant. It's I mean, it's you know, it's like. It's like uh, I don't know, an hour and a half long, so it's worth checking out. But I don't know, I wasn't.
3: It's <laughs> not after that recommendation. No, I, I,
2: like I say, it's not. It's not a great movie. It's solid. I mean, it, it was. It was enjoyable. I didn't hate it. I mean, it, I thought it was pretty good. But you know, I didn't see. I, you know, I was excited to see it after he said Robert Forrester, blah blah blah. You know, another great performance, and uh, it went over really well with this crowd. And you said so I was excited to see it, and then I watched. it. I was like, oh, that was. That was. I mean, decent, but way to go Um, roger ebert yeah you motherfucker and then i just uh this morning i watched uh speaking of short films this one's only 72 minutes but i watched the second zatoichi film the tale of zatoichi Mm -hmm. continues all 18 movies like i mentioned last week are on uh on on hulu hulu plus if you have that Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. and this was fucking ruled too i'm i'm really growing an affinity for this character uh this one is, uh, you know, it's a little more melodramatic than the first one. Uh, well, I guess, but uh, I, you know, it works. It, it's with this, with the kind of samurai films, it's usually some kind of, you know, personal vendetta kind of story, or and, and I'm glad they keep politics out of it. Almost largely, I mean, it's kind of the driving force of the film is a political reason, but there's not a whole lot of like warring like clans or anything like that in this one, so. Mm. These films seem pretty easy to follow. It's it's uh, it's really good. So uh, check those out. And I was actually all I watched. So Uh, yeah, short one for me. Um, Let's take a break and we'll come back and do. Let's do the Grey Fox first, since I watched that one first. (laughs) Mister Farnsworth. Uh, We (laughs) will be right back. Did you know that Asian people
3: prefer being called Orientals? Did you know that Ching Chong, Ching Tong, is a respectful salutation in all Asian cultures? Did you know that paper cuts can cause massive arterial sprays in Orientals? No? Well, then you should listen to "Podcast Without Honor and Humanity, the Internet's fourth best Asian film podcast. Every week, your host, Jake McLarty will cover two Asian films that can range from the Obscure to the Notorious. From a Sonny Chiba werewolf film to a splatter gore atrocity. From Category 3 to the Korean New Wave and beyond. Tune in at the website podcastwithouthonorandhumanity.libsyn.com. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Or you can just search Podcast Without Honored Humanity in iTunes. So give Podcast Without Honored Humanity a shot and get cultured.
2: Our first film of the day, evening, week is The Grey Fox. Zom, I will let you, if you're ready, <laughs> introduce oh. it here. Uh oh. When an. Ugh. <laughs> Wait a
3: minute, let me take a drink. <laughs> when an aging, but Gentlemanly stagecoach robber is released from prison. He decides to go to Canada <laughs> to become a train robber.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, Canada,
2: oh Canada! This one's starring Richard Farnsworth, as I mentioned, playing Bill Miner. Now, I did not do a ton of research on Bill Miner, but was he a real person? Yes, yes. This,
3: this is uh Yeah, it's uh, it's, it pretty much uh, goes along with what uh, happened to him too. Uh, I mean, you know, there's some some little love stuff and shit thrown in there, but uh, yeah, as far as the uh, robberies and the prisons and the kind of skipping away from prison every once in a while. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So
2: this is it's from '82. Um, I get I mean this is a western for all intents and purposes but it's one of those westerns that takes place in that interesting time like uh around like wild bunch kind of time where you yeah. have the turn of the century and you have the west kind of kind of intersecting with new technology um, mm-hmm. which is really why you know I thought this was an interesting choice for this week uh, the bill miner had been in prison for 30 some odd years Uh, He had been, you know, in prison for robbing stagecoaches back in, like, 1867 or something like that. And he's released from prison right after the turn of the 20th century. Um, So a really interesting part as the film opens is him kind of discovering how things have changed. Um, He tries to go straight for a little while. And it's just gay. Yeah. Well, you know, it is prison. And. (laughs) <laughs> good point <laughs> the you know I mean photography had come a long way uh, and the guy showing them this like newfangled apple peeler uh, which was looked like a piece of shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and I even I wrote they're even gonna have a stove that'll heat up when flipping a switch <laughs>
0: there
2: you go um, now uh, one part that I did notice you know, I always like these historical films when they're, when they, uh, pay attention to detail, but he's sitting at dinner at one point and he's drinking milk from a set of glasses that, uh, we had growing up as well. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm pretty sure ours weren't that antique, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so this, uh, the first part of this film is him trying to fit back in. Uh, the, now I was, it moved along a lot quicker than I thought it would. I, I was really expecting this film to kind of linger a, li- a bit longer on him trying to fit in, but it mm-hmm. jumps pretty quickly to him kind of being like, "You know what? Fuck oyster farming. I'm gonna go rob a train. <laughs> Fuck
0: this shit." <laughs> right?
2: And uh, yeah,
3: can you imagine what oyster farming would smell like, though? Oh my
2: god, they're just fucking in these like waist high rubber like waders big, and just yeah. walking around in this like dirty, muddy, sopping thing of pussy yeah they're just damp stinky yeah so there's a, a really cool scene right around then when uh there's a guy that as, uh, approaches bill saying you know i know who you are i want your help doing this and you know the bill tells him he goes like, a professional always a professional always specializes and this guy just wants to like rob anybody because he needs money and uh he kind of shows that don't don't fuck with me you know when he kind of puts the guy in his place just so we'll just say that um but when he uh they, they kind of cover it later but he always gets help to do these robberies apparently and they're always kind of by these slow guys and i don't know they don't really touch on it but i don't know if it's like he really just feels a camaraderie with the you know these kind of transient like mm-hmm. uh, almost worthless guys you know these they're 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 ill or they're not very smart, or if maybe he wants to take advantage of them because he seems like a really bright guy. Um, yeah.
0: Well,
3: maybe too. I mean, you know, like when you have the guy that came up to him in the bar, you know, a lot of guys in that are those type of people are arrogant and stupid, you know, like they they, they will not follow orders. You know, and right. these other guys like Shorty or whatever, and these what they're they're more than likely going to do what he tells them to do, right, and he right. can trust them. You know, he doesn't have to worry about them being fuckheads, fucking fuckfaces.
2: So he I, he's he he's fucking fucking fuckfaces and stuff. He's <laughs> he's staying with his sister, and that's when he gives her the news, like you know, and you see this a lot in in like prison type films where they're just like they can't, they just like I I, I can't stay, that I can't do this again, like you know. And we saw it in um, uh, the Last American Hero with uh, with Jeff Bridges' dad in that film, uh, saying that you know cl- punching the clock, working at the mill was just like a you know that it was like his death certificate. I mean, it was same same kind of thing here. He's like, I can't do oysters. It's not it's not in my it's not in my being. Um, he only like he knew robbing trains or well not not trains at the time when he did it originally, stagecoaches, but. He kind of approaches it the same way. Uh, I've never seen train robberies happen like they did them in this film. It was kind of interesting. Uh, usually it's, it's a lot more action packed or, you know, something like that, lots of gunfire yeah. and stuff, but he has a certain approach and it was kind of cool later on when he's talking about his technique and he's like, Oh, you know, you got to go with the so-and-so technique. And like, it's actually like a, a common knowledge, you know, <laughs> of how he does it. Um, you know of using the using the guys the the engineers as shields but while while you're opening the mail car um but the uh, now i've always wondered this too there's a guy that he kind of hooks up with no his name was i, I don't remember it's, it's it's one of the guys that he works with later on in the film in the in the mine um he has what what you know the the gray fox? What Farnsworth calls consumption. Um, now mm-hmm. that that's tuberculosis, right? Is that not the same
3: uh, thing? That's what I always thought.
0: But now, yeah, yeah
2: this is the second film I've seen in the past couple weeks. Now I always assumed that that was fucking really contagious. But they yeah, I did, it too. They people just hang out with them, and Shorty's like sharing a water bottle with them and stuff. And like they don't really. Maybe touch it's on
3: not it. tuberculosis. Maybe know. it's um,
2: I don't know. In the in the first Zatoichi film, there's a a samurai that has consumption, and he's coughing up blood and stuff. And you know they yeah. just hang out yeah. with him, share drinks, and um, I always assumed that you needed to stay the fuck away from people coughing up blood. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, fucking Doc <laughs> Holiday,
3: you know,
0: right.
2: Um. Huh? It was – I did like seeing that the mustache was uh, still grow, going strong in the early 1900s. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. That was some 1800s carryover. Uh, Farnsworth even had a great little handlebar there. That was kind of cool. You know, He uh, he had that mustache I think his entire career. He didn't
3: – Yeah, most of the time I remember seeing like um, even like in uh, Papillon and, mm-hmm. and movies where he was just kind of like – uh I don't know what you call it. Not even credited or stuff that
2: he had that moustache. Right. I don't
3: think he had it in Ben Hur though.
2: Okay. What's or Spartacus. <laughs> right. I I've wait, I haven't seen you know what? I don't remember him in Spartacus. I've s I have i have not seen Ben Hur. So. He was
3: just I don't even think he was credited in that okay. either. He was just in it.
2: Yeah, I never even realized he was a stunt man until I read a little bit about him. So um he's very good he's on a intre- horse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, um, there's a uh, there's a scene where the, his horse is kind of freaking out as a a train is riding by. Um, you can tell the horse is not happy, and he's still he's still acting like they don't they don't. I don't know how many times they had to you know shoot the scene, but he's waving a hand around trying to get the attention of the train, and the horse is just spinning in a circle. And he looks like he, I mean, he's right there doing what he's doing. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um. He was about 60, 60, 62 or something when he made this film. And I don't think he actually caught on as an actor until his probably his 50s. Um, mm. uh, like I said, I, I read that he was a stuntman. I don't know what he was a stuntman on. I've not looked that closely. So.
3: There's a lot of stuff. Just lots of lots and lots and lots of
2: stuff. I guess this is after, after he decided uh, – He's like, you know what? Tired of getting hurt. Let's try to be an actor for a while. And he, everything I've always seen him in, he seems to play a very similar kind of character. His voice is very distinct. Um, it sounds mm-hmm. like his voice. I think always has sounded like an old man, <laughs> like a grandpa voice. No. Um, and, uh, but the uh, there, in that scene with the with the train, I, I that was probably my favorite scene of the film. I, it was there's this. Um, slow motion as the horses are kind of galloping like to the side and like in front of this oncoming train it's like I said it's filmed in slow motion they're playing this uh, opera music and um I thought it was really really nicely shot this is um the and I can get into that too the with the music in the film Uh you know you you kind of know what to expect with westerns as far as music goes but this one kind of mixes it up a few times um you know i, I usually expect some kind of orchestral music or mm-hmm. you know in the case of spaghetti western certain you know certain sounds just or bon jovi that, uh, or bon jovi yeah. but this one El this one had the <laughs> the orchestral music but you know like i said it had the opera which they introduced a certain way with a with a record player and farnsworth had already or, Sorry, I guess I'll just call him Bill Minor. Bill Minor had already learned what a record player was, I guess, because he wanted to listen along with his, uh, the lady he w- that was hitting golf balls. Um, she had a portable record player with her, but the, um, I just lost what I was saying. Oh, and, but there's a, there's also some, like, Celtic sounding folksy music in the film, too, which mm-hmm. was an interesting, uh, I don't know if he, if that was tied to him somehow, but I thought that was an interesting choice and, in music too. Um, I really wish I could pull off a bowler hat. (laughs) There's a couple of those Mm. in the film. And I saw, I saw a couple guys in the city this past weekend walking around with them. I don't know. I tried them on and they just don't fucking look right on me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it seems like you need, you need to be a bigger guy or you need a suit. Like I think it has to, it needs some broad shoulders and I don't really have broad shoulders. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I really like I like the bowler hat, but I, I feel like I can't pull it off. So, and uh, a little a little I uh, I did research um, was the thing with the Pinkertons. Um, this is not it's covered in the film. Now there's a, there's a, an agent, um, kind of I guess this is pre obviously pre FBI I think or 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 was it CIA? What was the one that was film that was established like in the twenties? I saw a, uh, FBI, the FBI. Yeah. I, I saw yeah. a f- I saw a film with uh, and those guys weren't allowed to carry firearms at first, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I saw a film with Cagney. Uh, what's that called? About the the you know establishing the the FBI and all that stuff. It was pretty good. So, but uh, the Pinkerton National Detective Agency. I guess it's they've been a private company since the mid 1800s and so they have this just like asshole guy uh this agent searching down uh, uh bill Miner, and it's interesting the way they do it because uh they really you know when it comes down to it Miner's not the greatest guy i mean you know he's fucking stealing people's shit all the time that's his living but they really make it so you're you're rooting for him, and yeah, um, he kind of falls for this local lady who uh, <laughs> mid uh, turn of the century, very liberal lady. She's all you know for women's rights and all that Ew. Stuff. Uh, <laughs> there, was a, <laughs> there was a guy that said something like, oh, the, "You know, what's wrong with her is nothing a good husband couldn't fix." It's <laughs> <was> like what? <laughs> But uh, and then, of course, she ends up with uh, with minor, So um, I don't know how much of that story between them was actual reality. I don't know if that was just
3: – Well, it, fine, was, it was true, but it was a guy, not a woman.
2: <laughs> All right. I did say straight. Yeah. yeah straight time. Yeah. <laughs> straight, the next film. This is a Gray Fox's straight time.
3: Um, mm-hmm. they didn't call him the gray fox for nothing
2: was that his nickname the gray fox because I don't recall them actually it was
3: the gentleman bandit
2: right because they never say the gray fox in the film uh, well they recall. were just
3: talking about how how hot you know he's like a gray fox
2: oh, oh. it was
3: like a, you had McGregor's dad and uh, whatever the fuck that <laughs> turd was <laughs> no, I like that movie I, I shouldn't say that what was um, that called I don't know
2: Who who are we talking about
3: you mcgregor and um uh, oh el plummer First yeah, but, yeah but um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the beginners yeah yeah that's what it was called yeah it's a great one um it was a good one. christopher plummer <laughs> That was
3: a good one
2: but yeah, yeah. The, the the pinkerton agent he's very cocky um he makes the local um i don't know if he's a mounty just like a sergeant Fernie <laughs> is his name but He uh, he's got a sweet mustache, too, but he kind of makes (laughs) an ass of himself um, and then then by then pulls out the judges um, or the local magistrate or whatever his orders that, you know, the local law enforcement has to help the Pinkertons. Um, (sighs) But, yeah, he was just a he was just a douche. So that's that's another way they kind of set up for you to root against the I guess root against the law enforcement in Route 4 Bill and everybody kind of takes him under their wing. He's his name is he calls himself George as he's kind of hanging out here. And this is after his train robbery. He's doing his, you know, this is when he's hiding out. And that's this is most of the film is uh-huh. is just kind of trying to stay low and just assume a very, you know, low profile. Um and I did read last week, I think, that uh, did i read it on the show that Farmsworth was proud of the fact that he never said a curse word in his whole career yeah 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 uh, he must have forgotten this movie <laughs> uh, yeah 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 because uh, I don't, or either that or he doesn't consider damn it or son of a bitch uh curse words <laughs> uh, i thought that was pretty funny i was like uh, maybe he was just
3: talking about the big
2: ones <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> he probably he probably said those all the time in reality though
3: i've never said cunt <laughs> in that context,
2: <laughs> and the, there's a there's cunny a juice. cunny juice I never said cunny juice. Um,
3: well, I bet you you'd sop up some cunny juice in that fucking mustache
2: <laughs> that pushed broom under his <laughs> mm-hmm. under his nose. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> now mm-hmm. I'll I'll just end with the, you know talking about the the way the end of the film is handled. And I, I don't always like when you've given like text updates now, usually in in biography kind of films, that's how it happens. (sighs) I don't know that it works here and there's a really odd choice of kind of making, um, this certain part of the movie into what looks to be a silent film from that era. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some, you know, it's obviously it's it's filmed for the movie. It's not actual footage, as far as I can tell. And especially well, especially some of it when you see the actors' faces. But yeah, it's real choppy and like has the damaged film look and everything. And I didn't understand why that was in there. It didn't really add anything. Um, I don't know. Kind of, it was a stylistic choice, but it didn't really make a lot of sense in the context of the entire film. Unless you're just kind of pushing forward that. You know, that idea further that technology was changing and that he was still like, you know, mid 19th century mindset um, and he was the gentleman bandit. I mean, you know, they say that he uh, kind of coined the whole put up your hands put up, when he hold, just held his gun on you instead of just shooting. Um,
3: Reach for the sky, motherfucker. <laughs> I know. mean, uh, this
2: guy's mother fudger.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I swear to God
2: <laughs> this, was a, this was not what I expected it to be Like I said, it, it moved along quicker Than I thought at the beginning I thought they were going to focus a lot more on his Like reassimilation into society But they really just touch on that It's just the first 15 minutes or so And then it goes right into robbing trains again And go, you know, become, assuming his like new alter ego Or alter identity or whatever So Criminal uh,
3: recidivism
2: do you – uh yeah, the common theme throughout these. and Repeat oof. offender. <laughs> what, a, what a repeat offender <laughs> often becomes. Damn Jesus Christ. Um, Christ. Do, do you have anything to add on uh, Gray Fox here?
3: This movie just proves that rehabilitation is just a crunk of shit. I say burn them all. Burn them <laughs> in hell. Uh Where would that come from? Well, I've been watching too much Fox News. Um I remember when this movie first came out, see, yes, and it was considered a very, very good movie. Now, okay, I still find it to be a modern classic, a modern Canadian classic. (laughs) But, um, this, I think you've said it all, but I will say this. I can't believe that this fucking movie is not on DVD. This, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think it's like a really, like, it's not a real, like, uh, I wouldn't say it's a low budget movie, but I don't think that it was like, you know, millions of dollars put into it. But I remember Ebert and a lot of uh, Sisko and Ebert and that, that, that crew, you know, of, um, I don't know critics.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, everybody talked this movie up big time, and uh, it was like the uh, Richard Farnsworth was really kind of uh, people. Uh, I think they were just like shocked that he was that he was that charismatic or lovable, or yeah, whatever. I yeah. mean everything rolled into one uh, for someone who wasn't a trained actor. But I mean this fucker started making movies as a stuntman in 1937. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ, okay. It wasn't when this when this movie takes place is not that far along from when he was fucking I mean it was just like a you know what, twenty years later or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. he was well, whatever, nineteen thirty seven. You do the math, you fucking people are intelligent. Um oh, I but, forgot I well, forgot
2: the part where he's actually where he's watching uh the Great Train Robbery. Yeah yeah the, yeah yeah the, it was brand new you know the 11 minute film is that the now is that the one with the train that rolls into the station and it scared the shit out of people or is that a different one i know it has the one with that uh, guy with a big big bushy mustache kind of pointing his gun right into the camera yeah i
3: remember that part where you know cuz they show that at the beginning of um tombstone but uh, I'm not sure. I think the, I remember them. I remember hearing what you're saying, you know, about how the you know when the train came in, people would like get up and be like, "Oh my god, fucking primitive morons!" <laughs> now, okay, yeah, whatever. I don't even want to get into anything like that because I'm in a bad mood. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, this movie definitely deserves to be. Uh, this would be a good Criterion release. I think. Now, maybe you don't think that, but I think that. And there's not – there. I mean, okay. Now, Richard Farnsworth is in this. Um, but if you go down through the fucking you know list of people in the movie, there's nobody in this that I fucking know.
2: No, I don't – yeah, I didn't recognize anyone. Not
3: really. And the chick ended up – I think she just did uh, like lots of TV and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, –
2: you know the guy yeah, that played shorty wayne robson i think he was probably the other mm-hmm. highlight of the film um, i thought he was pretty good yeah. he's kind of this nervous guy that kind of hung out with miner for most of his time away
3: so. but you're not going to see yeah, yeah. like if you're a big uh, it just depends on what kind of western fan that you are yeah. i mean like if you're into you know uh, fistful of Dollars and stuff like that, I mean th- you're, you'll probably think that this movie is, you know it's it's not your typical, atypical western, right. I mean it's, it's uh, more of a character study and uh, it's not full of action and gun, like you said I, and I think that it's probably more realistic in the fact that like when you said that um, the train robberies don't have a lot of, you know shooting and stuff like that yeah. because, I mean, it's I think I think this is the reason that a lot of those movies are done the way they're done is because it probably wasn't near as exciting as what you know <laughs> is uh, what Hollywood makes it out to be. But you know, but anyway, yeah, I think this is a it's a good movie. And you know, Farnsworth, uh, I forgot that like when you told me that he had you know pretty much done himself in. Yeah, when um, in that's kind of sad. Hmm?
2: He was yeah when he was he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and killed himself. Mm-hmm. Mm. eh, what you gonna do? 80 years old.
3: Yeah. He probably, you know, when you're that old and you know breaking down and you've seen uh, other people go that way and yeah. know that it's no picnic, he's probably like, fuck it. Might as well go out on a goddamn high note. Get on my riding mower and take off.
2: <laughs> we should review that sometime. Straight story. Yeah. Good run. I know using straight again, but I, I like that. I like that film a lot. That was the first Farnsworth movie I ever saw. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I just remember seeing him in, like I said, uh, that Steve McQueen movie *Papillon*, mm-hmm. which was Jesus Christ. I mean, but he—I mean—he didn't have like a big part. He was one of the bounty hunters on it. But uh, you know, you remember the stash.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Both um, both films we are talking about this week, um, the directors didn't have not never directed a whole lot. Um, yeah, this guy Philip Borsos. Um, I mean, he died in the mid '90s, but he only did. I mean, he's got eight titles, and three of those are documentary shorts from the '70s. Um, this was his first feature film, which is pretty good. And then I think he just kind of like, you know, fizzled out after that. I'm not sure why, but you know, in the director of the next one, um, we'll talk about him, but he only directed like seven movies. So, yeah, and his was over a lot longer a period of time. So,
3: just tapped uh, out. Fuck it
2: fuck it um so we, we can get into our scores uh this i don't know I, i'm still kind of torn on how i felt about this one i like i said i i didn't I, I didn't agree with the way everything was done um i thought it was interesting i really liked the character of of, of uh-huh. bill minor um some things i, I wish th- some things were covered over others that would have been more interesting for me uh-huh. um i'd say i'd i 'd watch it again, but i didn't love it i'd give it a seven mm-hmm. out of ten it 's solid for mm-hmm. me um yeah, I like it too. So. I would classify this if they had a
3: section in the store uh the the section this would be in would be called nice little movie mm-hmm. um i i agree with you i i i it's it's done well um
2: but I'd I'd love to see a I'd, I would love to see a proper release of this because you know when you have VHS or quote unquote VHS like I do <laughs> um, it's you know it's it's cropped for a a, a four to three ratio um, and you know a, a big selling point of westerns is, are the you know the environment and the Pacific Northwest there's some beautiful shit up there and to have it, you know, cut off, I'd love to see uh, recolored and, um, Uh some of these areas that they, they show there's, you know, all the, with the mountainous regions, you know, in Southern East, let's see, Southwestern, sorry, Southwestern Canada, you know, that's that's a a great area. I'd like to see a a better print of this. so. So what was your score? (laughs)
3: I give it 7 too. I I also I thought it was uh, I I remember watching it and the first time I saw it I thought you know I was just back when the VHS stores were open you know first open and I was just picking up everything you know and uh, I was a big fan of westerns and I remember watching it the first time and you know kind of not being disappointed but just it wasn't what I wanted it to be you know it wasn't like this fast paced shoot 'em up action fest horse riding you yeah, know yeah, and all yeah. this and that thing um but when you go back and watch it for you know the acting for like i said just a nice little story it's yeah. not like a you know but um i give it a 7 too cool. yeah
2: so awesome. that's pretty good Well, oh, gray fox gets a double deuce 7 let's um
3: I kept thinking it starred Aunt Peg, the '70s porn star, Grey Fox,
2: but a diff- different role. Different role, indeed. Um, so yeah, this is you know Earth. this is a little hard to find. It can be tracked down. Um, like we said, unfortunately, it just hasn't gotten a wide release. So outside, of yeah, you know, it's other weird. Than the VHS days. So what's
3: up with those Canadians? How come they don't, you know?
2: St- they still Are they sell- holding back on us? Uh, they still, they still sell v- VCRs and, and Best Buy and stuff. So, <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs>
2: if I don't even know if they have Best Buy, actually, um, I don't know what the big electronics store is in Canada.
0: All
2: right, let's take a break and uh, come back and review Straight Time from '78 with a little guy we might, you might know as Dustin Hoffman. We'll be right back,
3: Dusty.
1: if you're enjoying this podcast perhaps you'd be interested in GleeCast.
2: you watch your tone young lady hey we're not forcing you to download the internet's best or at least most booze-filled podcast about glee you want to be me
1: who doesn't sue but we know we
2: can't be instead erica and emily uh emily and erica who am i I just don't know anymore. Uh, I'd love
0: to stay and chat, but I got a satellite interview.
2: Sorry, we get off topic a lot. The point is, listen to GleeCast following every new episode of Glee. Plus, our sporadic bonus content on some of the greatest bad cinema that incorporates musical theater or sweet dance moves. I'm going to ask
0: you to smell your armpits.
1: <laughs> the right or the left? That's there. the smell of failure. Failure smells like dove. Mine has a pleasant lady speed stick scent. Kind of makes me think of candy cane. Your resentment is delicious.
2: Visit Gleecast.potomatic.com or search for us in the iTunes Store. That's Gleecast with a K, part of the Palaver.com family. That's P A L A V R.com.
1: Boy, the only thing missing from this place is a couple dozen bodies limed and rotting in shallow graves under the floorboards.
0: We're working on that.
2: Break. Uh, we got some straight time now. 1978, Dustin Hoffman, Gary Busey, uh, Teresa Russell, oh. Harry Dean Stanton, oh. M. Emmett Walsh. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> Directed by Ulu Grosbard. Did I say that right? Sounds good to me. He is a Belgian man, or was. Maybe is yeah, I mean, he's still alive. No, I wait. Died. He just died. Jesus Christ. Died what yesterday. What are you Died talking? yesterday. <laughs> uh, Way um, to go, dude. I'm dumb. Um, <laughs>
3: His whole family is going to be listening to this show, and they're going to be like, well, he's still alive?
2: Uh The synopsis, after being released on parole, a burglar attempts to go straight, get a regular job, and just go by the rules. He soon soon finds himself back in jail at the hands of a power-hungry parole officer. When he is released again, he assaults the parole officer, steals his car, and returns to a life of crime. And boy, does he. Um, Zom, would you like to take the lead here, sir?
3: Okay. I will take the lead. Um. I had you know uh, Dustin Hoffman is one of these guys that's been around you know f- fucking forever, and uh most of his big hits and shit you know people know, and I thought you know okay, well, you know Dustin Hoffman I know most of his stuff and okay, you know <laughs> and um I had um seen or uh, just like had a like a just a little you know i i had heard of this movie but i mean just because i had seen a book where it said something about it, he had made this movie but it wasn't out on dvd and i don't remember really seeing it on vhs either that or i just never picked it up so i never got to watch it and then it was um i think it was last year it was on netflix instant watch and um I thought, well, you know what? I'm laying in the bathtub and okay? game. I'm gonna pick something to watch while I sit in there and soak. And uh <laughs> yeah, I started watching this and I was like, fuck. This is fucking
2: good spoiler <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alert, I- this movie fucking rules.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the hell? You know? Um then I saw that um uh, Edward Bunker was the uh, guy that actually wrote it. And, uh, I had a knowledge of him mm-hmm. because first of all, he was in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, he was Mr. Blue, I think, you know, I get that. I know Mr. Brown was Tarantino cause he was like, why do I have to be Mr. Brown? Sounds too close to Mr. Shit.
0: <laughs> and Mr. Pink
3: was Buscemi <laughs> and white was Crytel. Yeah, blonde was Mr. was Mr. Blue his face. Um, So anyway, he's Mr. Blue. um,
2: Oh, he was in Tango and Cash, too. Yes, Yes. Tango and Cash. Yeah, I mean, he's been in a few (laughs) movies
3: and then there was a a movie Animal Factory with uh, Edward Furlong and Mickey Rourke and Willem Dafoe and Tom Armfield as a prison, uh, redneck prison rapist, which was a pretty good movie. (laughs) Um, So, uh, which was based, you know, Edward Bunker wrote that based on his uh, life, too. And if you see the Danny Trejo uh, documentary about Danny Trejo's life. Uh-huh. Edward Bunker was in prison with Danny Trejo in like San Quentin or Folsom. I can't remember which one it was, oh, wow. and um, they were actually friends in prison. And he knew Danny Trejo's uncle who got Danny Trejo in prison. <laughs> and uh, so, and and if you watch that documentary, they they interview him in that. Uh-huh. Uh, so. When I watched this uh, for the first time, um, like I said, I was kind of blown away and um, that, that – first of all, that it was that good of a movie and second of all, that they – not that many people knew about it or that it wasn't uh, – hadn't at the time, I don't think it had been on DVD and I think it is now for sure. For sure, because I'm looking at the box as we speak. Um The guy, Max, in this movie... Now, I heard some people say that, you know, they didn't... The the one thing, like... (sighs) They thought Hoffman, they were like, well, I just don't think Hoffman uh, fits the role because he's just this little guy and da 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 But the one thing you have to keep in mind is this movie is based in reality, and you can see, like, this stuff actually happening. I mean, it's not like uh, uh, a lot of... uh, Uh, Hollywood shit thrown in that, you know, this is a gritty, true, realistic kind of movie. And um, not everybody that is in prison looks like goddamn Arnold Schwarzenegger or or whatever. You know, look at some of the criminals that you see if you have, like around here, they have a thing that they put out, like, you know, people that get put in the regional county jail, and there's some scummy-looking people, and there's some people that look just like Dustin Hoffman, not a, you know, and, and, uh, but I think what they were saying was, you know, it's hard to believe him in like a tough kind of, that he's kind of tough guy. But again, it's like almost like John Wayne in the movie, the shootest, uh, when he's talking about like, uh, being a gunfighter, he said, you know, it's not about how fast you are. It's not about how tough you are. It's whether you're willing. <laughs> and it kind of goes back to the Bill minor thing in the other movie that like the guy in the bar, That comes up to him. It's a young guy, Mm -hmm. and the guy's like, you know, we got this job, and uh, you know, we're gonna rob this, and we're gonna rob that, and da da da. -da. And you would, if you would see Bill Miner in that movie, and you just were in the bar, you'd think, oh, it's an older guy. You know, he's sitting there, probably somebody's grandpa, just a nice old man. But he's been in prison for thirty so many years. (laughs) It's the same thing with Dustin Hoffman's character in this. Like when he's telling. Teresa Russell, or James Conan in Thief. Uh, when you're in prison...
2: About the scary shit that you have to deal with on a daily basis.
3: you It's survival. And when, whether it's Bill Miner in that bar or Dustin Hoffman in this with the parole officer or whoever else, uh, when he gets violent, he's used to that. That's the one thing. As a normal person, you and me, well, semi-normal, <laughs> You're not used to that. No. You're not used to at the drop of a hat having to be just be ready. Have having, to be ready to, fight. to be,
2: have, pull out violence at the drop of a hat. Ready
3: yeah. to attack at the drop of a hat. You can't. You don't have time to get fired up. You just have to be ready to go. Bam. Mm-hmm. And it's, it doesn't have anything to do with size. If you want to survive, you know, there's probably big guys in in prison that are taking it up the wazoo well one because they want to and two because you know they just some people just don't have that in them you know and if you don't you're not going to survive so you know keep that in mind when you're watching the fucking movie um but um i think hoff i mean hoffman's a fucking for me you know i think he's a great actor and um in his like these roles when he's younger i mean it really It it shows. I mean, it's just like De Niro. You know, when they start getting older, they start. It's like Ric Flair. You know, once they start getting older, they get into that routine. They have their little thing that they do, and it kind of becomes routine. But you know, back then, when he's young and he's just uh, fresh and he's trying new things and everything, um, he, uh, I like how this movie it's just a natural progression. But when they show him actually at the very beginning, they show him like being processed to leave prison and the, all the guys that are getting out that day that, um, they all are wearing like kind of the same clothes. They give them this, this kind of almost like an outfit with this, uh, like beige jacket and a pair of khakis and everything. They all kind of look the same. They all come out and they're like, "Ah, oh, fuck, uh, and and uh they're just like th- after you know, thirty oh well bill Miner was thirty three years, but say with Dustin Hoffman, he gets put in jail when he's younger for this you know thing and, and then he's just thrust out into the world, yeah, and uh he's got a felony conviction, and you know um he does get lucky though <laughs> well um. Going to see uh, one one of the highlights. Well, there's God. I mean, there's several highlights of this movie, uh, but one of them for me is M- Emmett Walsh as his um, parole officer, God, and the yeah, scenes.
2: What an asshole! <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, at first you're kind of like, okay, um, he has to deal with, and I and you can see if you think about it, you can see why he would be a fucking dick. Because, I mean, he's not just straight up like you see in some movies where they go see the parole officer and the parole officer right off the bat is like, okay, like in the movie Heat, you're going to be making – you're going to get this job down here and you're going to kick back 30 percent of your pay to me or I'll right, fucking right. Uh, revoke your – or violate you back and you'll have to go back to prison. So they blackmail these guys. He's not quite like that, but, but it's more subtle. And but you could also see okay he probably deals with some of the worst
2: people some real pieces of on shit, a
3: day to day basis bullshitters that just are fucking liars and and they're cons and you know and because of the recidivism he's cynical because he's like okay you know I've heard this before you're gonna end up fucking back you know da, da, da. Yeah. just do what I tell you to do uh, and right off the bat well right off the bat Hoffman makes a bad impression. Because their thing, they have a set of rules that say, okay, as soon as you get out of prison, you contact your parole officer, you go stay at this uh, halfway house. And right off the bat, he just goes fucking walking around, because he's free. I mean, after so many years, he's just like, I want to go just fucking walk around. And he gets a a little motel room or something. And the guy just busts his balls about that right off the bat. Um, But he gets lucky in one sense, which is a is a plus in the movie, is when he goes to the employment agency. When I first watched this, I was like, who the fuck is that girl? Because I didn't look and see who was in it except Dustin Hoffman. And um, I was like, man, she's pretty goddamn fucking good looking. You know? I, was like, I thought she was pretty hot. And it's Teresa Russell. And I, let's see, this movie was made in 78, uh, and she was born in uh, – fifty
0: seven
3: uh-huh. so I mean she was right around like you know 20, 21 years old And, man whoop boy well, I'm telling you what she, she was, was she cutie. was a good looking little cutie there yeah. um, and of course like you know some women uh, she's attracted to the the uh the guy what do that you needs call it? Uh, <laughs> the guy that needs fixing yeah. the, the bad play. and um so Hoffman again. I mean, like I said, right off the bat, he does the thing where he's supposed to go to the halfway house, and he goes, and he doesn't go there right at first. So that gets him in the shit. Then also, when you're, you know, he's on, he's not, he didn't serve his time completely, and he's out. He's on parole. So when you're on parole, you know, it's like Sean Connery and the Anderson tapes. The guy says, you know, uh, you're out, and he goes. Fuck you, you know, I'm not on parole. I, I did my you know if you do all your time, you can do whatever the fuck you want when you get out, but when you're on parole, you you have to do what they tell you. And the second thing he does is he hooks up with one of his old buddies, which is of course, you know, a mistake because more than likely if you're kind of a scummy person that goes out and robs places, you have scummy <laughs> friends, and the last thing you want to do is hook up with your old scummy friends who got you in trouble in the first place. Now, again, I had not Red, who was in this movie, so I'm sitting there watching it, and he calls his buddy up, and his buddy uh, has a massive pair of horse teeth and now, some bushy unkept hair. <laughs>
2: Before I even saw him, the fucking voice is on the phone yeah. is so distinct. It's Man, like, it's I going- know who the fuck that is. I can hear his teeth on the phone.
3: right away. <laughs> it was Gary fucking Busey, And there... I remember posting this on our group or whatever when I watched this, or maybe it was just on my page, but he goes to see, uh, Gary Busey comes and picks him up and they go over to Gary Busey's house. And I'm like, who the fuck is that girl that's playing Gary Busey's wife? And I was like, you know, she had short hair and stuff, but I was <laughs> like, she's, she's kind of cute. It's Kathy fucking Bates. What a fucking and, you know, in this man. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, we all know Kathy Bates now as, you know, being this, she's kind of a heavy set lady and everything. And she was in about Schmidt and got naked with Jack Nicholson the, when <laughs> she was about 60 years old or whatever. But, man, she was a cute chick when yeah. she was young, you know. And then another thing that I was surprised with, I was sitting there watching it. And, and one scene that I thought it was just great because it just reminded me of me and my dad when, we, when you start either roughhousing or start, like, Play boxing, and then it starts getting rough. <laughs> and you know, yeah. the Gary Busey's kid. I was watching that, and I go, "God damn it!" I was literally in the bathtub, and I said this, <laughs> "God damn it!" If that's not fucking Jake Busey, I don't know. And it was. It that's totally Jake is. Busey, and he was a little kid. So I mean, I guess you know they said he said, "Hey man, my son's over here. Why don't, why don't we put him in this movie?" You I mean know like me? It and, sense, man. And Jake Busey was a fucking towhead, man. He had the. His hair was so blonde. And, um, so, um, Kathy Bates character, you know, though, I mean, they all know each other. She knows Max and uh, her name's Selma and Busey is Willie. And, uh, but she knows him and, and she, you know, she likes him and everything. But as soon as Busey leaves the room, um, but like I was saying about the fight, Busey and his son, or he starts roughhousing with him, and the, while he's when he's he stops and he's not looking, the kid just hauls off and punches him. Busey gets pissed off. I wonder if <laughs> that like, scene hey, was real.
2: <laughs> it seemed real. Yeah, it seemed, know,
3: real. It's, it seemed like something that would happen, you know, all the time. But uh, as soon as he leaves the room to put the kid to bed, um, she kind of tells Max. She goes, you know it's basically like we like you and you know there's nothing personal or whatever but you know you need to leave you know I don't want you hanging around here because you, you're gonna corrupt my you're gonna corrupt my Busey.
0: <laughs> and
3: uh and Busey's all for like hanging out, you know, he wants to hey my ass, yeah go you know, hang out. And the and the uh the the, um, he fucking, the rapport.
2: He, he, he had a real uh Kurt Cobain look going on. He was his yeah, dirty he did. blonde hair, his flannel shirts, yeah
3: he was, he, was, he was definitely grunge before grunge was cool, <laughs> uh, but even I know Hoffman is big with like method acting, yeah. And I thought like when they were sitting around the table and um, like Busey and Kathy Bates were talking, and it, to me, and I don't know if this is, you know, true or not, or 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 you know, if I'm just overthinking or whatever but it seemed like they probably told them okay here's where we're going with this scene mm-hmm. and just go with it yeah cuz but the th- but also Busey is just so Busey and Hoffman and Kathy Bates all three of them maybe it's just that they're so just natural With their dialogue, it just seemed that way. But that's why you know it didn't it it, it didn't seem like you know a director was sitting there going, okay, Gary, now pause here and then say this, you know. (laughs) Uh, But so Busey's kind of like, and he had the oldest piece of shit station wagon. And that's another thing that the movie is kind of like the way they dress, uh, the time period, uh, the how, ha- Busey's house, the old shitty garage that he has, yeah. and the, the fucking station wagon with the dented up fenders and stuff. When he comes to pick him up, he's like, Hey man, yeah, I'll be, I'll be right over. I'll, I'll come pick you up. And he shows up in that old piece of shit station wagon. It's like, <laughs> Oh, that's pretty realistic. Um, but right off the bat, um, UC is like the friend that I think is, you know, a good buddy, fun to hang out with and everything, but he's kind of a dumb fuck. Yeah. And he kind of unknowingly drops and and I th- I think Hoffman's more of a I, I don't know if I'd say the brains of the outfit, but you know, Right off the bat, Busey does something, and Hoffman's like, you know, you could get, you, you could get me three years for that, yeah. Just what you're doing right now, you know. And Busey's like, oh man, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I wouldn't think I was just excited, and um, <laughs> 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 um then uh, uh, M. Emmett Walsh um, kind of kicks his assholishness in full gear. Oh but you know, God. when you think about it, as his job is. His job, yeah, yeah, and seeing the things that he saw, you know, he's really just kind of doing his job. But he wasn't shaking Hoffman down or anything. But it was pretty harsh. I mean, that's pissed um,
2: me off, man. Oh, oh, I was getting, I was getting the creeps.
3: Yeah, there. I mean, <laughs> y- y- yeah, I, I, you can understand. Yeah, definitely. Um, but if you, if you, if you take into account. Like he said when Hoffman is explaining to him, he's like, you know, I just did this, da 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 and he was like, Well, you know, uh but when you robbed this place, you know, you had a gun. And Hoffman's like, Well no, I I wasn't I wasn't gonna use it and he goes, Well, let me ask you a question. When you picked the gun up to take it, what were you thinking? You know, it's and and, and you could just see Hoffman, you know, knew Okay, he was thinking if I get caught, I'm going to fucking you know, use this gun or whatever. Uh so he was he he was like his crime wasn't um, like he went into a store and shoplifted some I mean it, it involved some some and and you see with like later on when when he goes back into his thing how he is and he's a violent criminal. Uh, and, but I mean, it's it's the threat of violence for sure. But then when it comes right down to it, and like a like a you know the, a rat backed into the corner. I mean, you know, when they're backed into the corner, right, right. they can say all they want. Oh, I wasn't. I was never going to use the gun. I was never going to use the gun. But when it comes down to it, and they're faced with going back to prison or getting caught or whatever, you know, you got the gun. It's there. I can either go back to prison or I can use it. They use it. Um, but the <laughs> you get to see a little bit more of M. Emmett Walsh than I ever thought that I would see in a in a movie. Um he has a nice uh, um portly uh, buttocks. And uh, <laughs> people that were driving down the the uh, highway or the freeway or whatever at the time uh, got to see and that and, and what's funny is is um When Hoffman does what he does, it's it's funny that you know when I don't know how I mean you know just say it but I mean he he uh, he basically is like so pissed off because first of all he he met this girl he met Teresa Russell and she agrees to go out with him on a date and this and that and everything because um, uh, he gets a job and he's 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 pretty much doing everything that he should be doing. Uh, like I said, he had a couple of different things, like hanging out with Busey. You're not supposed to hang out with another uh, felon, convicted right, felon, right. or whatever, uh, or no, you know, scumbag, um, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and and going to the not going to the halfway house. So he broke the rules already. And MM at Walsh is like, okay, I'm giving you a break on the the halfway house thing, and then with the Busey thing, it's pretty harsh. I mean, you know, I thought that they were like re At first, I was confused because he said, "I'm going to take you down and, and test you." And I thought they were just going to go down and you know draw blood, testing where mm-hmm. And it's almost like that he was thrown back in jail. And I thought, Jesus Christ, okay, wait a minute. You know, is he? You know, and and you see see the kind of uh, I don't know if I'd say degrading stuff that they have to go through. You know, because when when they show the prisoners, it's not like a Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, or I mean a uh, Stallone, Kurt Russell shower scene. You got <laughs> right, big right. fat guys, old guys, and drunk guys, and you know. And they're all naked, and you get to see a little bit of Dustin Hoffman's uh wang. and Wang. There was a fucking
2: fast bender <laughs> in there, too. Yeah. The motherfucker, <laughs> is like, with his halfway down to his knees, the shadow. Well,
3: I think uh, Robert Duvall and Dustin Hoffman were roommates when they were, um, like, living in New York and studying, you know, acting. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it was Duvall. I know it was Duvall. Or oh, no, it was, it was Gene, ha- Gene Hackman. And Dustin Hoffman and maybe Duval—they were all kind of like lived together. And they said Dustin Hoffman was like the the, the total pussy magnet. They said he could get—he got more women than any of them put together, you know. And then you look at him, and you're like, okay, he had to have had a rap because he sure as fuck, you know, either that or they liked his nose because he could like eat them out and give them six inches up the ass at the same time or something with that <laughs> nose. Um, so anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there, with this movie's concern. Um, but he he is just like a fucking raging. I mean, you can just see it just building up in him that it's like, okay, I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do, and these fuckers just keep fucking with me. They're not gonna, they're not going to let me, you know, go straight and do this net. So he just snaps
0: and he uh,
3: attacks. Mm, at Walsh driving down the road, and uh, and uh, basically just beats his ass, and then <laughs> fucking gets kicks him out of the car right on the freeway, and there's a big chain link fence, and he gets his handcuffs and he handcuffs him like. Way up on top of the uh, – as high as his arm will reach uh, on the chain-link fence and handcuffs him there. And then when M.M. at Walsh, when he's walking away, he tries to go for his gun. So he goes back and he takes his gun away from him and then fucking pulls his pants down and his underwear. Down. I think it was the,
2: the keys to- he took away from him. I think yeah, he, took he took away the his keys handcuff away. keys and threw them into the traffic. And then, yeah, fucking, yeah, then yeah. he he leaves again. And then he comes back and fucking just shanks him in front. Of him.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so he's sitting there with his big fat ass hanging out, and there's cars just. I mean, it's like midday. There's cars everywhere, and so and, and the and you know it's funny how your instincts because even though he's got his hand way up over his head, he reaches down and cups his balls and his dick to cover up his fucking balls and stick. And how the hell would you explain that, man? you have to be so after that. Hoffman's character is pretty much like he's just like okay I'm fucking done with this shit and it's almost like whether it's the Bill Miner character in the other movie um I I hate to use a redneck term but it's kind of like living high on the hog (laughs) where you're used to when you why you know you go and like the job he's working at she said he's working for scale so I assume that's minimum wage um at this cannery and he's working say eight hours a day, if not more than that and making peanuts. He's living in this fucking shitty hotel or, uh, uh, yeah, it's like a boarding house and they don't even have a bathroom or like a shower in the, um, or toilet in the room. It's just a bed and he's got a sink and like a little, a little closet or something. Um, but you could have that or, you know, you, you can think, okay, I can go out and just rob this place and have uh, so many thousand dollars or so many hundreds of dollars right off the bat. Right. And um, so he decides, okay, I'm – they're not going to let me do this, and you know what? I don't even really want to, so fuck it. And he starts contacting all his – these, or, or, he starts contacting different people. One of them, which is another big highlight, was he hooks up with uh, an old buddy of his, Harry Dean Stanton. And man, he's fucking good in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that guy was a fucking good actor. Too. Busey, I mean, everybody in here was fucking great. Um,
2: I love Harry Dean
3: Stanton. And thing. I was sitting there watching this thing. I think it was like, I don't know if it was last night or when I was watching it. And he goes to see Harry Dean Stanton, who, I guess, like I said, it's like the criminal mindset. Yeah. Harry Dean Stanton is like, has a nice wife, they have this beautiful house and like a big swimming pool Mm -hmm. and they're having a cookout and you know Max is there and you know she's fixing him hamburgers and all this and that and beer and all you know and as soon as she gets up and and they just seem so happy and as soon as she gets up and walks away Harry D. is like you gotta get me out of here man you gotta get (laughs) me out of here I can't do this shit anymore I can't do it I can't I just can't I can't I can't you know and it's like dude you know you got a good job I think her like she had her dad had money or something I can't remember uh Or you know, but they were doing well. But he just—it was just like a cage. That was like almost like a prison to him. He's like, I just can't fucking do this. Yeah. So they start plotting and planning. And the Edward Bunker part. See, he's in this movie, and you know, uh, in the Danny Trejo documentary, he talks about this. They kind of made this character in this movie for him, just exactly the way he was. Uh, Hoffman meets him in a bar and edward bunker would when he was you know his one thing that he, he used to really do in real life was he was like the brains of uh he would sell people uh scores he would find out like okay there's a there's a card game at this place and there's a bunch of guys and they sit there and play for thousands of dollars you know and everything and and if you go in and do it this way and this way you can um uh, probably get you know so many thousands of dollars. Or there's a store over here, and if you go rob it, or there's a bank here or whatever, and he would he would uh, kind of create or like almost like a blueprint for these jobs, and these people would either give him a cut of how much they made, or they would pay him to tell them, okay, you know, here's a job I got for you. If you do this, you do that. You do this crime. You know, and he would blueprint it out for him, right so he's kind of in the in the movie uh, in a bar scene, just kind of a small part but then for for the rest of the movie, it's pretty much um uh Max and Harry Dean Stanton, and you see um, them either planning or going and and doing these these robberies and there's one there's a couple of situations where Hoffman just uh, it's almost like blowing off steam something happens to him, and
2: just kind of like... Um, if, if He gets stuck. Like he just like, well, I, like can't finish, can't finish?
3: Well, there, there there's a couple of situations where, to me, it was almost like something would happen that would kind of set him off, and he'd just be driving down the road, and he'd see a store, and he'd be like, fuck it, I'm just going to go in here and rob the store. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, a, like a, a, not an instinct thing, but almost like a, how he... Uh, like he can't help himself or
2: something, yeah. Uh,
3: you know, and he, and he just goes in and and does this. Um, and you see, um, I guess uh, like even when I was just saying that, it's almost like a uh, something overcomes him and he can't help himself. Like when they're in when they're in these places robbing, Harry Dean Stanton is like they're both like professional. Uh, Low-level criminals, but they're professionals where they they plan. To, and and Harry Dean Stanton says that a million times. It's not professional, man. It's not professional. We got to see. We got to do it professionally. Uh, it, they'll have it timed out, three-minute response time, and he'll be sitting there with the stopwatch. And every single time, Hoffman, it's like he can't help himself. Yeah. He gets in this this. Uh, I don't know if it's a manic mode or or what. But And he's like, come on, man. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And every single time, Hoffman pushes it and pushes it and pushes it. And it's the same thing with when he would go and, like, rob a little convenience store just for no reason. He'll just go in and rob it. Um, It's like he just – something snaps in him and he just has to – it's a compulsion to me. Um, So then you kind of um, have a thing where – they they have the uh their he's Teresa Russell this is when he kinda comes. he he comes clean with her and tells her well she knows right off the bat from the employment agency that he he uh was a criminal. Right, right. And you see when he tells her that, she kind of it's almost it's weird. I don't know, maybe I'm imagining it, but like when he tells her, you know, I didn't know you know, I, I was in the penitentiary. Like she almost like you can just almost like see like her nipples start getting hard or something. <laughs> it's just, she's like,
0: what?
2: Something oh god, something about excitement. him really interests her. Um, yeah,
3: it's just excitement. I think yeah. it's just uh, you know, he's he's like uh, she's meeting an outlaw. Oh my god, you know, and um, he starts shacking up with her because of course he has nowhere else to. Stay, and uh, he's on the lam actually because you know if if somebody sees him he's going to get arrested. Yeah. I mean if they if they recognize him, uh, so him and Harry Dean Stanton start doing these things, and he tells her he says I'm going to do this stuff, and I'm trying to keep you out of it and everything, and you know she's just like okay, <laughs> and it's like Jesus Christ, girl, you know, you, you know you could go to fucking jail, you know. Uh, <laughs> that was a sneeze, and um. They kind of, uh, Busey comes back into the picture, and, um, which is, like I said, I think it's just a buddy. Yeah. He's probably all right, but he's not the brightest fucking,
0: uh,
3: <laughs> not the most courageous or the brightest guy in the world. And I don't know how much more we want to go. I mean, we're, you know, yeah. Is there anything else? I mean, because like I said, I don't want to go all the way to the end and say, okay, yeah. this happened, that happened,
2: I don't know. Um, this, uh, <clears throat> as I mentioned with the uh, with the previous film, um, this being Ulu Grosbard, like one of his few uh, films, um, this was kind of in the middle of his career. I mean, this guy started directing in, in the late 60s and directed through the end of the 90s, but only seven movies, but – um this mm-hmm. was kind of right in the middle and just like the last one I had not seen anything else by him. Um
3: He did a lot of plays though, didn't he? Cuz I think he was okay. like a a big I, um, stage guy when when they they posted that he died yesterday. I think oh, yeah, that the article director. that I saw it really touted his uh you know doing plays and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, He's yeah like,
2: stage director. Okay. Um he uh I've not seen anything else by him and this this Mm. film feels a little other than the than the 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 clothing and some of the like disco music you hear it feels a a little out of time Um, Mm -hmm. this is a film that could have happened in it could have been like released in like 72 71 Mm. it has that kind of feel to it for some reason not an almost 80s movie Um, yeah yeah uh, it's Once once Hoffman snaps it, it really you see him as a different person. Like you feel sorry for him at first, and then it's just like Jesus Christ, he's obsessed. By the time by the by, as the film goes on, Um, he is phenomenal in the film. Mm -hmm. He he does a good like frustrated man, and I don't I don't recall that I've ever seen him play this kind of character before.
3: No, because like you say. I can see where people, when people said, you know, about him playing a tough guy role, and well, he did play a tough guy role in Billy Bathgate because he played Dutch, Dutch Schultz, and he's played he's played tough guy roles before. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the tough guy thing, like you said. It's more like, a, um it's more complex than that. It's not just these, like not just playing a gangster, you yeah, know, t- yeah, yeah. typical gangster. This is a real guy. This is a real character. You know, he's, a real got, person. he's
2: got desperation behind a lot of his yeah. actions. I mean, he he'll, he'll just explode at any time. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, he's determined to get what's his after he just can't put up with the shit anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, like, I mean, when you see it really start to turn when he's arrested the the second time, I guess. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's implied that he's arrested many times. Um, or, you know, they discuss that how he's had trouble with the law since he was a child, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's – when M.M. Walsh is really just busting his balls and making him, like, have to stay in prison and, you know, it's like for a week what? or whatever. But it, you get this you, – you can just really see, like – you know, these guys are kind of like doing like going through the grind or whatever. And, but he Mm -hmm. is just fucking fuming. His face is just like, fuck this, fuck this. this."
3: I got like the impression that it was one of those deals where, um, he probably did a bunch of shit when Mm -hmm. he was underage. Yeah. And of course, you know, maybe go to like juvenile or go to the boys home and stuff like that. But then like, uh, the first time that he got busted and went to prison was like this. This time, right before he gets out here, he he. But he had done so much shit before that oh, yeah. as like a juvenile. Did, did was I mean, or did you think that like I mean, did you get the the I, I'm I can't remember specifically when we were watching when I was watching the movie. We, you and I, the proverbial we. Um, had he been arrested as an adult a bunch of times, or because I thought like uh, M. M. At Walsh was saying that you know he used a gun. Now it's not saying he hadn't done those cri- more than just that one crime.
2: They, they don't. He just never got caught. But they just like I think it, they mentioned that he had had trouble with the law since he was like twelve. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, really... it's like he.
3: You could see where he probably came up from, like a really shitty family or something yeah. like that, and and uh, just it was kind of like a poor, you know, and uh, abusive or whatever. And then he just gets into this and that, you know. Even with Busey, you can kind of see. I mean, if you've lived around, I hate to say it, but if you've lived around people, you, uh, I, I've lived around people like this, yeah. you know, and I could see stuff like this happening, you know. That's that's one thing I liked about the movie was it was and like I said I think Edward Bunker when he wrote these things he was writing from his own personal I'm, I don't know if this was like a um, uh, like biographical because I I think the movie like an, like Animal Factory and stuff I I think he just took his experiences because he had been in prison several times th- because when Dustin Hoffman first met him thinking about doing this. Story for a movie. He was still in prison. He went and talked to him in prison. Oh wow! You know, so I guess he was publishing these these uh, these stories or books or whatever from from jail. Yeah. The um,
2: there's a really great tense scene um, when the turn starts to happen when when Hoffman's robbing a convenience store. Um, there's, the, the, uh, I guess, Grosbard He does a great job with making it tense when it needs to mm-hmm. be um and but there's some really nice like i guess quieter moments too like some cool shots in there like when uh when when Max and um Jenny are or fucking or whatever but like the, the whole like the slow there's like a slow pan and he's just like laying and so you know it's like something he hasn't had in years and years because he's been in prison and he's kind of just like rubbing her stomach and stuff with his head And the
3: you get the fucking i mean like it's just like a, <laughs> a lingering shot of, of hoffman's her. head and, and her tit it's just her. one Ruth tit
2: glorious little tit yeah
3: yeah man
2: but um, it's just kids. like you know, booby. They they did not. He did not want to be anywhere else at that moment. It was a great shot, just slowly panning mm-hmm. around. And there's another one when um, when uh, Harry Dean Stanton is singing with his guitar that goofy song. Uh, yeah. But the, you know, this another nice slow pan up, kind of pulling back away from the pool and showing they're sitting on the umbrella, eating their hamburgers, and it was just a really nice. I don't
3: know if it, did you? Uh, maybe it's just me, and I'm not like a fucking germaphobe. I mean, like if I fucking drop a Piece of candy on the goddamn floor. I'll pick it up and go three second roll, you know. Uh, depending on the floor, I All guess. Right. But when she was cooking those fucking hamburgers, and she came over, she had like the plate of the of the the patties, and mm-hmm. then she had the buns, and then she has so a she's making them for him, and and she like puts like some onions and a tomato, maybe some lettuce or something, and then puts the the hamburger on there, but the buns, and then she just take picks the whole burger up with her hand and hands it to him. <laughs> for some reason, I was like, I don't know if I, that, that's just.
2: I was like, God damn! I didn't really know. know, Just put it
3: on a plate and hand it to me. You don't have to fucking just like (laughs) hand me the whole burger with with your hand.
2: This one, uh, one of of my old jobs, there was um, we were having cake one day, and uh, the guy that was serving it, I don't think he realized he was doing it, but every single piece that he would cut, he would cut Hmm. it, lift it with a knife, push push it off the knife onto a plate with his thumb. And then he would lick his thumb every single time. And I'm like, oh, no cake for me. And I don't think he realized he was doing it. And I didn't know how to tell him, especially with the whole crowd of people around him eating this cake. Oh, oh my God. He licked his thumb every fucking time. <laughs> There's just something about that, you know? Like, oh. Mm. Um, you just got to
3: push past that and go for the cake.
2: <laughs> push past it. Uh, the, um, but yeah, I, I, I gotta say, M. Emmett Walsh is one of my favorite character actors of all time. I fucking love that guy. And he does well, such a good great. job making use. I mean, he just, he's just, like, like Zom said, just doing his job. But, God, he really pissed me <laughs> off so bad. Yeah. Like, oh, he, yeah, me too. Totally. He does that thing so well. Like, he did it in, um, in uh Blood Simple too, where mm. he's being a jerk and he'll just put his big fucking shit stained boots up on the table and just uh. like look at you and be like, Well, whatever and like you're just like, Ah, you know. He doesn't yeah, just, he's just, just, do, he, it's like uh. Hoffman is wanting out of prison. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just had – I was busy and I didn't have time to – and I was like, you fucking jerk.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He left him in there for – I don't know. Well, that's – I think that's one of the reasons why I was – like I was sort of confused because uh, it seemed like Hoffman was in there for – and I'll tell you another thing. This was just a quickie thing. Um, When – Okay, they go in when he told him he was going to take him down to be tested.
0: Yeah,
3: um, and they go in. I mean, they strip him down. They de- they make him take a shower. They delouse him. You know, spray that delousing powder all over him and shit. When they when they're putting him in their cells, the, this is at the jail. This is in pr- like in prison. You you know, especially back then. Now it's overcrowded, I guess. But yeah. uh, you'd have like you see prison movies. There's like two people in the cell, and there's a bunk bed or whatever. Well, in the jail, you know, there there might be like you know. Four or five guys yeah. in one cell, and when they walk in, this this uh, there's a guy on the top bunk, and they they go in in single file, and the guy in front of Hoffman starts to put his stuff on the bottom bunk, and Hoffman goes, "That's my bunk, chief," or something like that, or that that's my bunk, buddy. Just basically, and, and, the, and the other guy was there first.
2: Yeah, but, but I he... mean, it's
3: like a prison thing. It's like he's 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 telling him right off the bat, you know. I, this is mine, and don't don't fuck with me, and you know just with that little simple thing. Because if you would think, okay, if you, if you were walking in and you set your shit down there, and the guy behind you is this little guy, and he goes, "Hey, that's my bunk chief," you know, you you be like, you know, go fuck yourself. I was here first. But the other guy was like, you know, you have the guys that are, I don't know how to put it, but the the, the, the guy to me, the by that guy moving. Mm-hmm. If you were in prison or in jail, that shows that you're weak. You let that other guy right off the bat tell you, okay, I'm taking this, you move.
2: You know? Well, here's know. an older guy. He, he he might have been in and out of prison too. Could have been in a, a situation yeah. where he's like, uh eh. I'm not fucking, it's not worth it. You know,
3: he should have turned around and stabbed him in the eye. And then (laughs) everybody would have like Sean Connery said in the, uh, uh, what was it? Family business. You got to take, you got to take, find a guy, a guy that's not connected, beat the, beat the shit out of him right off the bat. Then nobody will fuck with you. (laughs) Of course you get more time in jail too. That is true. Fucking Sean Connery.
2: (laughs) Um, and, uh, it, it wouldn't be uh, a complete week for us without a little bit of racism. When uh, I like when M. Emmett Walsh is kind of – right before he starts fucking with uh, Hoffman over the drug thing, he's like, oh, got a date? Is she white? <laughs>
3: <Yes>. <laughs> that was just so out of the blue too. It was like, what? <laughs>
2: what? That was pretty funny. <laughs> so.
3: He was a jokester because didn't he tell – What did, did he tell a – a Pollock joke or something. Yes, he did. Yeah, I can't remember what he said <laughs> uh, because it was just like. And then uh, I think Hoffman or when he was coming to get Hoffman out of jail or something like that. He was like right in the middle of telling like another prison guard. So that might have been the Polish joke. He was telling him some fucking stupid ass jokes. <laughs> he, he was just having a good time.
2: What a jerk. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> he was a fucking
3: jerk. And he was just this, uh, I mean, just his look. I mean,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: not the most handsome guy, but he had a, he, you know, not you know Pretty fine ass on him.
2: Yeah. (laughs) He had a fucking like three foot long ass crack. Stinky ones came out of there. (laughs) Oh, gross. (laughs) That'd be something (laughs) with my luck.
3: What would be funny is if you were driving down the road and here's this guy fucking handcuffed to uh, the chain length fence and it was gridlock and your car was stopped like right there and you couldn't even move.
2: And he's just looking at you. You're trying to have that awkward moment like, oh, God, I got can't look at him. can't look at him. He's like, please, just help me. He's covering up his saggy old man balls with one hand. Oh, my God. I'd be that. That's I'd be the funny. guy, the first guy and only guy has to stop beside him. I'm like, OK, do I help or do I fucking just keep driving?
3: You go over and just like masturbate
0: him. There you go. <laughs> there? <laughs> hey baby, what's up?
2: <laughs> uh, well we could get we can get our scores here.
0: Mm. Mm.
3: Um I really like this. Yeah. I mean I liked it a lot. <laughs> I don't to so I could go ten again. Um let's see. I would give this eight point I'm trying to think of what was bad about it. And there really was a lot. Um god. hmm. I would probably give this movie I I did, I do know so I the end was kind of eh for me. Okay. Not, I mean I wouldn't say eh, but it was just kind of like a little too I'll give it an eight point five. I was going to say I really loved it, but I just I just remembered something that would drop it down a point or and a half or something.
2: Okay, Uh, I'm I'm pretty close to you again. Uh, I really really liked it. Um, It uh, it's definitely a '70s kind of film, um, but it it definitely has some good action stuff in it. Um, Hoffman is the you know was far and away for me the highlight of the film and you know it's it's a it's a performance driven film a lot you know more than most most other things although there are the some great moments of tension in there um Mm. i give this i i give it an 8.25 out of 10 Mm. um this is a buy for me um i will definitely be tracking this one dune so awesome 8.25 and an 8.5 High recommendations from us here. Us. Us. Let's, the royal us. Let's take another break and come okay. back. How about we do some feedback this week?
0: All right. Sound good? Yeah.
2: Awesome. <laughs> we'll be right back.
0: Yeah. Ahoy, Mates! This is K-A-B, Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, beaming a signal across the sea. I'll be here playing music all through the witching hour. I'm still waiting to hear from that weatherman. But in the meantime, stay here with me. Be sure to visit our sponsor, Paracinema Magazine. They're the source for all your genre movie needs. Check them out online at paracinema.net. Tell them Stevie sent you. Keep me turned on for a while, and I'll do my best to do the same for you. Smooth sound.
2: We're back! Get excited! It's feedback! Yeah! Hey, feedback. First feedback of the day. We got a couple emails this week. A couple voicemails. First feedback. Uh, the first email is from Bunny Sticky. Uh, he says, fuck shit piss cunt. Hey guys, I agree. <laughs> Just listen to the last couple of episodes back to back—five oh. hours of silver and gold, baby. Why would you do that to yourself? <sighs> now that the nausea has worn off, I thought I'd drop you a line and try and say a few clever and witty things. Uh, really enjoyed the shoot peacekeeper episode. Zom seemed particularly wired, and Los' childhood alcoholic psychodrama flashback during the shoot review <laughs> was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it. <laughs> uh, I
2: laughed anyway um, Haven't seen either of the movies But they both sound pretty enjoyable I can't believe Montel Williams' agent Was cool enough to get him a part in a Dolph movie uh, Back when Montel had his chat show I convinced a roommate of mine That he was actually Errol Brown Lead singer of the 70's pop group Hot Chocolate Who had gone on to pursue a successful TV talk show career I also managed to once convince my wife that the Will Smith movie, I, Robot, was actually about a guy called Ian Robot. But that's another story. (laughs) It was awesome hearing some birthday party on the show, too. I don't remember which episode it was when Loaf was talking about Wings of Desire, but I love that movie. I think it was last week. Uh, I especially love the scene where Crime and the City Solution are playing in that club. Roland S. Howard was the most badass guitar player ever um hearing you guys talk about that biker gang type movie during the mexploitation episode made me think it would be pretty cool if you guys covered wait did we do mexican movies last week or was yeah we did <laughs> i was confused there Jesus. we thought it was something else uh it what made me think it would be I pretty cool what, what
3: what did i say it was i thought it was something else
2: i thought it was something else too because you told me it was
3: I know, but <laughs> whatever.
2: Um, it made me think it would be pretty cool if you guys covered some Italian post-apocalyptic movies. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, two other things occurred to me during the show. One, Big Willie is really, uh, really is a filthy degenerate. Yep.
0: <laughs>
2: and two, canned chicken. What the fuck are you doing, Zom? <laughs> Lord knows I'm not a wise man, but one thing I've learned from my 40 years on this planet is that any meat that comes in a can is just plain fucking wrong.
0: By the, Bullshit.
2: By the way, the worst thing I, except for Vienna sausage, by the way, the, <laughs> the worst thing I've ever seen in a can is pre-fried onions. That's right. If you're too busy to chop up an onion to make your pasta sauce, just empty this can of what looks like jizz-coated worms onto your frying pan. Nom, nom, mm-hmm. nom.
3: Jizz-coated worms.
2: <laughs> look for just just empty the jizz-coated worms. Don't even worry about the onions. Uh, look forward to hearing about Loaf's New York Adventures. What really happened with that anal douche? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was just a, just a display, unfortunately. Uh, I mean – and uh, I hope that Zom has a good time at Horror Hound Weekend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, Make sure to leave some food for those women you have chained up in the basement unless they've drowned already. (laughs) Love and farts, Bernie. P.S. Sorry about the Mexican porn horror comics posts on the Facebook page. And P.P.S. When are you motherfuckers going to watch that DVD I sent you? Do you have that, the DVD? Yeah. I need to get that
3: it's region uh two
2: or whatever yeah send it send it my way i will uh, i'll do what i can with it okay um and the as, uh, let me read let me uh read his ps again to better phrase it instead of sorry we're gonna say you're welcome for the mexican porn horror comic posts on the facebook page i want to see more so <sighs> cool thanks bernie sticky bernie sticky Uh, we got a quick little email here from Arthur. Arthur just says, Arthur Franzarelli says, um, Hey, I greatly enjoy your podcast. Uh, but what is the song you always use at the end? I know I know it, but I can't place it and it's driving me nuts. Thanks. Um, I wrote, I wrote Arthur back in case he misses the feedback part, but the, 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 uh, the song we play is from, I guess originally from it's the theme song for the film midnight express but the version that we play is um, was a modified version. I don't know who modified it, but it was used as the entrance music for the old uh, NWA tag team Midnight Express. So, so the, yes, there you have. We we open and close. We sandwich ourselves with wrestling themes. Sandwich. Okay, we're gonna do some uh, voicemails, <laughs> and before we for, and, and so we don't forget. Zom, you need to choose a Danny Boy winner today.
1: <laughs> okay. Right.
2: First, cut off voicemail, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and play the second one right after it.
1: I got alongside long and my hair slicked back. I'm coming to your town in a pink Cadillac. I'm just a metal Mikey. He's a metal Mikey. <laughs> God dang, Jared King, Lawler, egg-sucking dogs. Metal Mikey, reaching.
2: <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next.
1: <laughs> Metal Mikey, round two, Priscilla and gold, because apparently your voicemail is not honky maniac. Anyways, listen to your Strong Man <laughs> review episode, and I gotta admit, I'm curious to check out Strong Man, and I also must say. Fuck, I need to mail that, that back. When will <laughs> happen upon more money, like probably after Horror Hound Week, and I will order up me a copy of Memphis Pete. And the other point is, to now. actually, Loaf, I will be joining you soon because in my to-do list for viewing this year, I do want to actually catch Sunset Boulevard. And there's another thing I wanted to mention, but I can't remember it because I'm so fucking tired, and I put a lot of effort into remembering that how Hulk, Hulk man intro. Although, I'm going to say, for those of you that are going to see me at Horrorhound Weekend in Columbus, you're gonna see a shirt that's gonna make me make you think of a certain manager for one pokey tonk man at the time. I'm always saying that, but you know that's what that's about all I got to spew out. Keep it a short and sweet, and I'm hoping this is the Golden gold voice line. So, but Eric, anyway, make it easy. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Who was
2: that? <laughs> Justin. Uh So you and Mike, you're going to have a good time this weekend, right? Yeah.
3: (laughs) I'll be there. I got too much pressure.
2: (laughs) Diarrhea pressure. Next voicemail. This one's cut off, too, so I'll play both parts.
1: Hey, guys, Sam Justin Just No Brolster here, calling in. Uh, first, all, saying, I wanted to say, nothing wrong with me. I was just uh, really... Next. Well, Next. I was saying that I was fine, but now I'm kind of pissed off because I got cut <laughs> off again. I guess this is catch-up for uh, the 18-minute phone call that you made through. All right, well, you know what? Uh, you know what? I planned on calling in and talking about how great the Memphis documentary was because I got my Dang. coffee in. But you know what now? Now I don't know because if I start talking, it's going to cut me off again. So you know what? I'm just going to say, I'm just going to go, all right? Fine. Don't be that way. Fine. By the way, everybody, <laughs> bye, Memphis. Amazing documentary.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Cool. Thanks, Mikey. Uh...
0: <laughs> Next voicemail. <laughs>
1: jewelry or silver and gold. It's better to be silver and gold or someone's going to be getting some kind of fucking, fucking surprise in their fucking voicemail. Well, anyway, this is Peter fucking Mullen. I've been listening to your fucking podcast you bunch of fucking
0: cunts. I heard
1: some nice fucking cunt singing fucking Danny Boy and I'll tell you what, I'd rather take a fucking dog to death than be listening and hearing that fucking cunt win. So here's my edition of Danny Boy bunch of fucking cuts. or anyway, a babe and say I I I Thank you, uh Peter Mullen. Peter Mullen is the winner
3: of the contest. <laughs> uh, now all we need to do is to get his address. All right, Peter Mullen, you got to send us your address. Send
2: us your address, Peter Mullen. You've officially won. Uh, and, and last voicemail. I don't even know what this is.
1: Fear. And showgirls. <laughs>
2: oh, that was a very uh, uh, timely voicemail. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: All right. So, um,
0: <sighs>
2: Dom, did you, you do you have a, your official winner for uh, Danny Boy? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you want to? Do, I, did you want to do a, a grand prize and a runner-up, or just a grand prize?
3: Well, I have to go to the post office, so we better. <laughs> I don't even remember who sent in the other fucking ones. We I, had,
2: I we we had we had the orchestral accompany, accompanied Bryn.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: We had. Um, we had uh Peter Mullen.
0: Right. Right. We
2: had Cinemasochist. Right. We had um uh Paul Hughes and right, we right. had uh, uh Arnold Schwarzenegger.
3: <laughs> so how many is that?
2: It was three people. <laughs>
3: three people. Okay, all three people that sent in Danny Boy things, uh, send us your address on the Silva and Gold
2: email, and I'll send
3: you something. I'll send everybody something. But the grand prize winner is Bryn in Utah, the, the Mormon weeks. giant.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um.
3: He, he – uh, he, he, uh, not only did he send in his own submission, but I understand that he produced and arranged the Peter Mullen, uh, composition also.
2: Him and him and him and Mullen are good, good buddies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
3: Dog kicking.
2: Cool. So, uh, congrats to all three of you. Uh, yeah. Even though Zom <laughs> hated one of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was classic. Uh, eh. so cool. I hope you guys enjoy your dirty yep. pant- your dirty panties <laughs> and old Taco Bell wrappers.
3: I'll send you something. <laughs> uh, so everybody we'll get into gets what- something. It's like socialism. Everybody gets something.
2: <laughs> yeah, fucking no, yeah, no contributor uh, bastards. All of you are going to get something just for being. Yeah, for participation. Um. So we'll get into what we're watching next week. Uh, you heard Ugh. a – very, <laughs> rather uh, bothered voicemail there at the end. Um, this is our next week, our cinematicist double feature. <sighs> Wait
3: a minute. I'm not sending him anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. Um, fuck we're fuck going to guy. do... Now, I might end up liking this. Now, Zom has recommended that I go back and listen to a Girls on Film episode. God damn it. This thing's over two hours long. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> the, the 1995 Paul uh, Verhoeven uh classic Classic. showgirls now i saw this when it came out and i fucking hated it now it has been (laughs) uh, what 18 years or so Uh, you're old damn has it been that long 17 16 years Um, so we will uh we'll be reviewing showgirls we'll see if i my opinion has changed of it um (laughs) <laughs> and then we're going to do one for Zom, which I also saw when it came out in the theater. Jesus Christ. Um, Two of Zom's favorite actors, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon in the 1996 <sighs> drama thriller, Fear. It's thriller. Uh, So
3: yeah, is William Peterson in that?
2: William Peterson is in that.
3: Well, that's a plus. I like him.
2: I don't even recognize him.
3: He was Pat Garrett in uh, El Chevato, Billy the Kid, and he was in To Live and Die in L.A., and he he was in Manhunter.
2: That is a good—oh, Alyssa Milano's in it, too, my favorite.
3: Oh, I like her.
2: I like (laughs) her—oh,
3: man, I like her a lot.
2: (laughs) I don't remember what she plays in it. God, I was obsessed with her and fucking Who's the Boss when I was a kid.
3: Well, I never watched her when she was a kid.
2: <laughs> well, you know, she was about four years older than me. So when I was like 10, she was about 14. and she. That was... I'll
3: tell you what, man. I have spent much DNA on that show, Charmed. <laughs> God damn, man. Mm, I watched – I literally – I know I probably have said this before. But I would come home every morning on TNT and I'd make my breakfast <laughs> – And I would turn the volume down to where – I mean it was – I would mute the volume and I would watch Charmed and listen to podcasts and just sit there and watch her boobs. (laughs) Yeah. Glorious boobs.
2: They're fake, but they're good.
3: I don't give a fuck. And and just every outfit that she wore on that show, I mean they knew what they were doing. Let me just say that. And I don't give a fuck.
2: What? We're to, we're, we got we have showgirls in fear to talk about nothing about, enough about Lissa Milano. <laughs> <laughs> we got Jesse Spano and Reese, we, Reese Witherspoon to talk about. So Ugh, cool.
3: Jesse Spano, <laughs> fuck.
2: Cool. So don't miss that next week. We're fucking. Oh man, it's. I feel like we're gonna have a revisit of uh, Ready to Rumble here. So <sighs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they'll just be just average movies, and we'll have a another boring fucking show as usual. <sighs> So um, thanks to all everybody of a sudden that, I
0: have to shit.
2: <laughs> thanks to everybody that called in. Um, yeah, thanks. Check out Justin on uh, on Action Attraction. Check out Mikey on
3: Wrestle um, <laughs>
2: Crap. No, uh, total. What is it? Total Eclipse of the Heart. uh yeah. awesome network.com. Freakin'. And um, yeah, and thanks to everybody that ended the contest again. So fear and showgirls next week. Yeah. Tom, do you have anything else to add, sir? Uh, I'm not
3: going to be here next week, so if you want to guest host the show.
2: Are you not? Huh? You're not going to be here next week.
3: Yes, I'll fucking be here and review that goddamn fucking movie. Yeah, that's right, you are.
2: (sighs) Together forever. And now, (laughs) Whorehounds,
3: we'll see. (laughs) I have till 6 o'clock tomorrow to cancel. (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) go. I don't you know, want to go. Do it. Do it. I will go. I have to represent our fucking stupid show. God, the show. What a fuck. <sighs> oh,
2: uh, so yeah, that's it for me this oh, week. We're still on the air. <laughs> <laughs> until, until next week, enjoy Horror Hound. This is Loaf Oot. Yeah, Oot.
0: Bye. I have to poop.